This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. <clears throat> yes, we are fighting the voice a little bit this morning. <clears throat> we will live. We will make it through because the Jazz swept LA over the weekend. And I love everybody. Like, are you guys ready to admit it? <laughs> admit what? What haven't we admitted already? We'll talk uh, lots of jazz today. Got to get back to Kyrie Irving. And I guess the biggest question on Kyrie is, are the Nets being too hard on Kyrie Irving? What they're asking him to do is pretty crazy. We'll talk about that coming up. Obviously, BYU in Utah got big wins over the weekend. We'll talk about that. Um, if you're LSU, do you go for the two-point conversion in overtime to beat Alabama? Well, I mean, obviously, Brian Kelly did. Right. And they did in one of the biggest wins in college football over the weekend. Uh, I thought it was one of the best sports weekends that we've had in this town for years. Like, I cannot remember if I go all the way back to my entirety of life in the great state of Utah. I cannot remember a sports weekend of this quality, like the Jazz sweeping L.A. It's so rare that that happens that the Jazz win two games in L.A. And then on top of that, you get BYU. And I think it's stunning. I can't believe they won that game. I cannot believe that BYU went to Boise and and won on the turf at a place where historically it's very difficult for that team to win. And that Jaron Hall does what Jaron Hall did. And that Utah then absolutely dismantled Arizona. I mean, it's just, it's everything you want. It is absolutely everything you want. I can't remember a sports weekend being this good in, I don't know how long. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, that I think part of what plays into that is there was a lot to play for. I think, you know, even the Jazz, like a team that, that you know, obviously doesn't have a lot of expectations this year. It feels like now this this question of, like, how long can they keep this going? Like, just how far can they go? You know, it seems like on a nightly basis, they are trying to continue to prove themselves. And that's what I think is is awesome about where the Jazz are at this, this year right now. Um, I, I think, yeah, when you look at, at BYU, yeah, I think impressive stuff. I think... You know, there was a lot of questions, obviously, Friday about, like, you know, what would happen if they lost this game? What would happen if, let's say, they got blown out? And the awesome part is we don't have to answer those questions because you went over there, you won the game, and, and you know, you looked pretty good doing it. And I do have to say, you know, last week and the prior couple of weeks where we've had to talk about the defense being awful, while they weren't amazing on Saturday, I felt like they were a bit better, you know? So that was great to see as well. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh I think when I look at when I look at the Jazz, I think that they are exactly who we've been saying they are. I think that they're a really solid team. Um I think that the Lakers are not very good at all. By the way, Jazz and Lakers tonight at uh Vivint. Um in a late game again. Uh they were eight o'clock last night, eight fifteen tonight. 
Um, so, I, I by the way, I don't know how many people realize this. Every NBA team plays today. They are all off tomorrow for election day uh, because the NBA wants to facilitate voting amongst its players. Uh, so we'll see about how all that works out. But this is a team I think that is going to be a, you know, a play-in team. I think this Jazz team is very solid. I think they're very good. I think obviously, you know, we could stop all this talk about the, you know, Donovan Mitchell trade because without Laurie Markkinen and Colin Sexton, this team isn't winning the games that they're winning now, Fast. even if Donovan Mitchell is here. So I think you could stop all this conversation about, you know, should the Donovan Mitchell trade have been made? Well, if they don't make that trade, Laurie Markkinen and Colin Sexton aren't, aren't here. And I think Colin Sexton is becoming one of the most important players on this team. They don't win that game last night, frankly, without him, in my opinion. Um, you know, having stayed up late to watch most of that game, you know, you you see his value to that team. You also see that Laurie Markin doesn't have to score to make a, a, an important impact. And by the way, I thought it was really telling last night that this team was still really solid defensively without Jared Vanderbilt, who did not play last night. I thought they were really good. They missed him. There's no doubt this team misses Jared Vanderbilt defensively when he's not in there. There's no doubt about that. But this team, it, it, I think the biggest difference is that they are actually very solid defensively. And I think now we're at a point where Jazz fans have to start stop obsessing over Quinn Snyder versus Will Hardy. You've got to stop obsessing over the guys who are not here. Stop comparing Quinn Snyder and Will Hardy, and I think it's a ridiculous, really short-sighted take. If you're one of those people who are like, oh, well, if Quinn Snyder was still the coach of this team, well, guess what? He's not the coach of this team. And I think you have to start focusing on Will Hardy and stop this obsession with looking backward now. You have to look forward because I think this group of players has really become a group of players that you can get behind. This is a group of guys that are really solid that can play multiple styles of basketball. And I think it's very telling that you found a very, very limited role clearly for Rudy Gay on this team. I think it's very telling that Walker Kessler is getting very prescribed minutes. He's not getting a lot of minutes and the minutes he's getting are very much, I don't know, it's certain type of not high leverage minutes. So I think he's getting an opportunity to grow and develop. I'd still like to see more of Agbaji. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's the one guy, if I had a complaint, I'd really like to see uh, more of Agbaji getting more, more critical minutes and seeing what he can do. But you know what? I don't think there's a whole lot to complain about rotationally on this team either. I think Will Hardy's done a really nice job. Yeah, and I thought the Walker Kessler minutes last night specifically were, were, were really good. I, I thought that he, he comes out... Uh, obviously puts his athleticism and his ability to run the floor on full display. And I really like his defensive ability. I think he has great timing when he's when he's going up for blocks. I think he understands space as well, which is nice to see. And, and I do agree. They're finding a nice way to kind of work him in without overexposing him, which I think, you know, has it, that's always a struggle with young players. How much should I play this guy, you know, to develop him? But I don't want to play him too much where you start getting negative returns and, you know, you have to start having those conversations too. So, you know, I, like, yeah, I think Walker Kessler's in a great, place and 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 I think it's great that we we have this opportunity to to talk about this jazz team being able to control the game early then I felt like last night you know you lose control for a little while but you're able to lean on your defense to get control of the game back and I thought that was a really 
great thing to see out of a young team because you're going to need to be able to do that against the better teams to win these games. And so when you start seeing the Clippers or, you know, when they see the Suns or the Warriors, you're going to have to do that to, to win those games. So it was great to see that that on display last night. Yeah, I don't think Walker Custer has been particularly good defensively. I would totally disagree with that. I think shot blocking's a a pretty non... I mean, it's a it, you're either a shot blocker or you're not. Um, I think some guys are better at it than others, obviously. But I think that's been one of the things he's going to have to learn is how to defend situationally. I still maintain this team takes way too many fouls um, at the wrong time, and they're just not necessary. But I think Walker Kessler's upside is that he does run the floor well. I don't think he's been particularly a standout defensively. I think Jared Vanderbilt's been your your standout. I I also think it's kind of comparing him to Dennis Rodman is just, I, I think it's ridiculous. I think mm -hmm. Jared Vanderbilt and Dennis Rodman are completely different players. They don't play similarly. Their styles are not similar. Um, I just don't, I mean, rebounding wise, Dennis Rodman is the best rebounder in the history of the NBA. I don't, I don't know that that's even arguable. So comparing Jared Vanderbilt to him, I think is probably too much. And I think this is what we tend to do. I think we tend to get too high on teams when the truth is, this is probably a 7, 8, 9, 10 team. And I think that they're playing exceptionally well. And I think they're definitely a playoff team now. I think we can stop wondering if they're a playoff team or not. Because I think when you look at the way they played in LA and, and the... I think for, they, the Lakers just aren't very good. Let's be honest about it. The Clipper win is impressive. And that they did that without Vanderbilt who I think is one of their most important defensive players, I think that speaks volumes. And I think Walker Kessler did step in, but I don't think he had nearly the impact that Jared has defensively. And I think Vando's one of those guys that, for this roster anyway, the way it's constructed, I think you're going to have a tough time replacing him, especially when you're going up against a guy like a Paul George in this case. Obviously, Kawhi not being there helps quite a bit. But when you look at a guy like Paul George, you don't have a like-for-like -like matchup for Paul George. And frankly, most teams do not. But what's impressive is, as a team, they were able to meet that challenge. That's the thing that, that's exciting, is that they're not, they're not infighting. They're not going at each other. They're, as a team, you can see when they, when they have a breakdown, they get together and they talk about that. And I still wonder... Who's the alpha on this team? Like, who's going to emerge as the leader of this team? Because I don't, I still don't know that we've seen that. They play really well as a group, and I think no matter what five are on the floor, they play well as a group. But it'll be interesting to see who's it, who's the guy that shows up and turns out to be the leader on this team. Because every team has them. Every team has the more vocal, outspoken. Hey, we're going to follow this guy. Right, I don't know that this team has that. Mike Conley's obviously the elder statesman, but I wouldn't call Mike the leader of this team. It's interesting, like stylistically, I think when things get tough, they're reverting more and more to Jordan Clarkson and Laurie Markkinen, which you would expect. I mean, those are your two best offensive players, so that's not surprising at all, but I don't think it's Jordan Clarkson. I think it, it probably at the end of the day ends up being Colin Sexton, I think Colin is really vocal when he's on the floor. Obviously, he's really aggressive. He was by far, to me, the most impactful player that stood out to me. And when I say impactful, he's the guy who stood out to me most in the two games in LA is Colin Sexton. I think his play has really transformed the way this team does business. And I think that's really exciting because when you look at the construction of this team, whether Jordan Clarkson starts the whole maintain 
they're going to wind up making a significant trade at the deadline. I, I don't think they're buyers at the deadline. I think they're happy to be who they are right now. I do not think they're buyers at the deadline. But I think he's a guy that could be moved by the end of the year. I think that would be a very difficult trade. But Danny Ainge has, has not shown any hesitancy to make difficult trades, in my opinion. I, I don't understand this obsession with going back to Quinn Snyder. Why do we have to compare Quinn Snyder and Will Hardy? And if somebody wants to explain that to me, I'm wide open to the conversation because I don't understand it. Why do we have this obsession with comparing Will Hardy to Quinn Snyder? Why do we do that? They're two totally different coaches with two totally different rosters. How can you make a comparison to them in any way, shape, or form? I, I don't understand it. And last night on Twitter, like I actually got off of Twitter last night just because the nonsense about Will Hardy and Quinn Snyder. Yeah. And I, I, I just don't understand it. Will Hardy has, has done an okay job. Is he the coach of the year? Probably not. It's we're 10 games into the season and all of a sudden Will Hardy's the greatest coach ever and Quinn Snyder's at fault for everything that happened over the last year. Man, I, I, I don't understand why is it as, and it's probably not just jazz fans. This is probably fans across sports. Why is it that we can't appreciate the contributions of people who were here previously without crushing them and comparing them to the person that's here now? Like, if you're a Jazz fan and you don't appreciate what Quinn Snyder did for this organization, you're not a Jazz fan at all. If you want to rip Quinn Snyder and say that, you know, he's a terrible coach, you're not a Jazz fan. If you're going to boo Donovan and Rudy when they come back, you're not a Jazz fan. Like, it's amazing to me that we can't appreciate the contributions of people who have come previously. That, like, of, of I, you never won... Uh, you've never won a championship, yet Quinn Snyder's the guy you point to as a guy who's at fault for that. I've just never understood it, and I won't understand it. it it's it's remarkable to me. Yeah, I mean, I think Jazz fans are 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 obviously, you know, wanting I, like I think they want to compare because it's just what they know. Like, and and I agree, it's kind of a ridiculous thing. You know, two different rosters, two different situations, like two different mentalities like it's just two different worlds and I think that you know like Quinn did the best that he could do with what he had to work with and, and it's not his fault frankly that Donovan and Rudy couldn't couldn't get along and couldn't figure it out it's not Quinn Snyder's fault that a pandemic took over the planet and and yeah. one of his best players just happened to make a joke about it in that time and that didn't really go over too well that's not on Quinn and in in my opinion like yeah, you should just be able to enjoy Will Hardy. Like, Will Hardy has worked his ass off here. Is he the coach of the year? Yeah, probably not. Like, when they when they come back to earth a little bit and they're a 500 basketball team after 30 games, like, yeah, he's probably not the coach of the year. That said, he should be the coach of the year in your heart and your mind because this team could have been a 20-win team, and they're clearly going to push 40 wins, in my opinion. So that's what I'm saying. Just enjoy what you have. Like, enjoy the fruits of this labor because it may not always be this way. Yeah, there's no reason to live in misery, yeah. which I just don't. You're 8-3. and three, Like, bask in that. Bask in that. You're, you're, I think you're second in the West behind the Suns. Yeah. Bask in that. I mean, there's just no, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the guys that are here without crushing the guys who are not. It's just so short-sighted to, you know, to to keep ripping Quinn Snyder for 
for what the Jazz are doing now. It's, I mean, the roster, do you understand? The roster's completely different. Like, Quinn Snyder didn't have Malik Beasley. Quinn Snyder didn't have, you know, Colin Sexton and Laurie Marketing. He didn't have the want to. He didn't have the organic desire that this team has. Yes. I mean, you're a new team playing together. There's no chemistry issue yet. There's no, there's no, you know, rising and falling of, of hierarchy on this roster yet. Like, it's just new. It's a new shiny toy. Play with it. Enjoy it. I, 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 that's always amazing to me. Uh, are the Jazz going to win a championship this year? No. So you have to do uh, trades necessary to get us to that level. Let's uh, go get it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely going to, you're going to have to make trades at the deadline. Yeah. I mean, Malik Beasley won't be here, in my opinion. I just don't know why you would, why you would keep him. You're not an NBA championship caliber team at this point. And I don't think at any point in the next year, certainly not the rest of this season, but in the next year, you're not going to be an NBA championship caliber team. I think when you look at this roster, you're not going to compete with the Golden States. You're not going to compete with what we've seen from Phoenix, even though I think Cam Johnson's a huge loss for Phoenix. Cam Johnson, uh, their fine shooting guard, uh, their 2-3 combo guy who has been lights out to start this season is out a prolonged amount of time. He had uh, meniscus damage in his knee that he had uh, repaired. So he's going to be out a while. I think that's a significant loss for them. But I think you're, you're, you know what, you're, when we get to the playoffs, I think you're going to, you know, you're probably going to be a 7, 8, 9, 10 team. You're probably going to be a 35, 40 win team. At this point, that's what I would guess. Those teams are not buyers at the deadline. Those teams are sellers. And if you get a first-round package for Jordan Clarkson, why wouldn't you take that? Why, why right now does it make sense to keep Jordan Clarkson on your roster? Because he's not a young player, right? He's not going to improve. Your value for him is not going to go up. It's only going to go down. Why would you think, of, think about it logically? Do the, do the math on this. Why would you hang on to Jordan Clarkson? Why would you hang on to Malik Beasley? I mean, I can see, I think Laurie Markkinen's at a, a place in his career. You can hang on to that guy. He, if he's your second or third best player, you're a really good team, right? There, there's no doubt about that. But right now, he's arguably your best player, which is why you're not a championship contending team. So knowing that you're not a championship contending team, and trust me when I say the guys I talk to at the Jazz have no delusions of grandeur. Everybody over there is thrilled with the way they're playing, but this isn't exactly what you, they're not expecting to win rings with this roster. I don't think anybody is. So I would expect, I would expect to be to be sellers at the deadline. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that you know while we're doing all this comparing, like if you're going to be someone who does compare players like why don't you compare the fact that in the past the old regime would have held on to joe ingles way too long right like we have there is a new like leadership group in this front office obviously and i would expect danny ainge to be able to say okay yeah jordan clarkson is definitely playing some of the best basketball that we've seen him play in his career but that doesn't mean that we should get too loyal to him that means that we should leverage that 
for value back. I look at Mike Conley. Mike Conley's never, never, never been able to play pick and roll like this with Rudy Gobert, right? Mike Conley's never been able to to get the wide open looks from three that he's been able to get, uh, you know, with Laurie Markkinen on the floor instead of Rudy Gobert. Leverage that. I'm not saying that he's their 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 top guy in the list to move, but if someone calls you and says, "Hey, we got a really strong package. We're the Dallas Mavericks, and we want Mike Conley." Like, you got to listen to that. Like, you got to genuinely listen to that phone call. So, to me, the timeline before the season for Jazz fans, like, it was acceptable for it to be a three-year turnaround, right? Like, that was kind of the timeline we were working with. So, I wouldn't come off of that now just because you're 8-2 and through your first 10 games. If this was game 20 to 30 and you went 8-2, and would you still be saying they're a championship-caliber team? Like, this is a small window. You have to understand where they're at. So... I agree. You need to be a seller, but let's see what kind of phone calls they get because that's how that's going to work. Teams across the league are already calling them. They're gonna; These teams are going to know what they want, and it's just a matter of Danny likes the price or not, as usual. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see also how they come out tonight against the Lakers because this has been a difficult stretch of games. I mean, obviously, you played uh, Friday, Sunday, and now you're going to play Monday with voting tomorrow, so the league is off. So, you're, I mean, you've played a lot of games. Um, you're off Tuesday, you play Wednesday. There's a lot of compact games in here. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, the Lakers, the Lakers are just not great right now. I, I don't know how else you would even describe their struggles. The Lakers are just not great. And it is shocking how bad that team is. What are they, two and seven, I guess, at this point. Um, they're terrible. And yeah. so you would expect, you would expect to get the win tonight. You would expect to be nine and three. I mean, what is it? I mean, you're minus three at home, 229 is the number on that game. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't, I don't know. It, it is, it, this is a really great time to be a jazz fan. I mean, it is, this is, they're a fun team to watch. They are, I mean, defensively, they're very good. I mean, they are, they've got to be top half in the NBA defensively. Yep. Um, which again, I think without Vanderbilt last night, that would have been an easy game to excuse a loss. But to play that well, to get a win without him, I think is I think is exactly right. Yeah, and I think it's best case scenario if you're a Jazz fan. That that's why that's why to me I'm with you on this. Like it's so perplexing why you know as a Jazz fan you you, you wouldn't just kind of just kind of enjoy the ride. Like just kind of enjoy where you're at right now because again I can't help but feel that. You could be like Oklahoma City. You could be like what Houston was when John Wall was in Houston. Like you could be that bad. You it could be that. That you're clearly trying to lose games. Yeah, you and know, you're, like you're, you're tanking, not. But you're not. That's not where you're at. And I think you know you combine the idea that they are trying to win games on the floor with the fact that you do have Danny Ainge, someone with a proven track record. Like just just keep that in mind. That's all I'm saying. Like I understand. There's always going to be Jazz fans out there who want to compare, you know, the Quinn and Will Hardy thing or the past to the present. Okay, fine. But what I am saying is don't lose sight of where you are now because two years from now, when you're when you're trying to get to the Western Conference Finals, you'll remember these times and say, yeah, man, they, they put in the work now, and that's why we're able to be here. Yep. Uh, let's see. Michael Harris says, Quinn and Will are both great coaches. Different but incredible minds. Yeah, absolutely. Derek says Quinn was still was and still is great. It just didn't work out last season. Yeah, I think Quinn Snyder had last season was largely out of his control. The fate of that team was written at 
at the trade deadline. Sorry, folks, that's what it is. Yeah, they didn't. They did not get him any help at all at the deadline. In fact, I think they damaged the team more than they helped the team at the deadline. Yeah. Uh, nameless ghoul says only player worth booing is Gordon Hayward. As a Jazz fan, he did us dirty. I see. I would agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. Uh, Scott Howard says, and I agree. You can't say Will is a better coach than Quinn Snyder after eleven games. Yeah. I, I That that's the part that I just can't get on board with. I. I and maybe I have too much respect for what Quinn Snyder accomplished here. Outside of of Jerry, like there's who else has excelled at that level? I mean, find me another era of jazz basketball where you actually thought you could win a championship. As a fan, you thought you could win a championship. You were excited by Rudy and Don every night. You had a long drought before that. Do we have to talk about Tyrone Corbin? Do we have like, do we have to go backward? I mean, come on. If we're being real, like there, you, you yeah. yeah, come on. Yeah. Todd Boots says, I like the timeout with a few minutes to go to regroup. That was uh, new for the Jazz. I think that th- one of the things I like about Will Hardy is he doesn't panic timeout. He he lets guys play through situations. He lets the team play through adversity. I think that is absolutely incredibly important it's it is one of the reasons that I think you know the guy guy who comes to mind when we talk about that stuff is Phil Jackson Phil was a master at not calling timeouts it's so easy in the NBA because you have so many it's so easy to just burn timeouts to try and kill momentum the best coaches do not do that Mm -hmm. the best coaches let their players manage it on the floor call the play and let the players play and if you've practiced well enough and you if you institute enough in your meetings and shoot around, they should be able to do that. Because with practice time being so rare anymore in this league, you have to hand the reins of the team over to your players. And I think that's why guys like Mike Conley have value. And it's more value than you can touch and feel. Mike Conley brings you veteran poise, mm-hmm. those intangible things. So... I think Will does a good job of not calling panic timeouts. Uh, NY Monty fan says, mark my words, things will cool down in Utah. We would not be doing this good with Donovan Mitchell in spite of needed a fresh start. Happy for him, just still not loving the jerseys. Yeah, well. <laughs> and I think that's true. This team needed a change of scenery. Guys on this team, the Rudy thing is not working out in Minneapolis. I'm telling you, and... I, I feel bad. It's almost like I'm being negative about it, but that's a 500 team. Yeah. And you look at their loss to the Bucks the other night, and I want to make sure I get this right. Rudy Gobert the other night has seven points, 13 rebounds, one block. That's it. One, it took a three-pointer that was an air ball, mm-hmm. right? Only shoots two free throws. Like in the last run of games here, you're really seeing that you can't have Rudy be the centerpiece of a modern quality basketball team. And so you look at his last several games, San Antonio at Phoenix, Milwaukee, nine, seven, and seven. And really he's had some pretty pedestrian numbers, but you look at his, his games, they haven't figured out how to win with Rudy Gobert on that roster yet. Yeah, which would be terrifying to me. I mean, it, 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 you're, you're like, this is not like, 
So obviously, you know, Minnesota's in a completely different situation than the Jazz. Minnesota's a team that, you know, goes out, does the deal, wants this whole Rudy Gobert situation with Carl Anthony Towns to make them a championship contender. And I can't help but just go back to the very simple fact of life in the NBA. This is not a big man's league. Like, let's no. not get this confused. Like, I understand that Jokic won some MVPs or whatever, and that's all fine and dandy. But that does not mean that the NBA all of a sudden has stopped being a wing league. And and you're never going to find a reality in the NBA where Rudy Gobert can have the ball in his hands with a game on the line. And I'm sorry. I know that sucks. I, that has pissed off fans for years on this show. But you can't pay a guy nearly, uh, what is it, like $45 million a year? 40, he averages his average annual value over the term of Rudy's contract is $41 million a year. So what happens if you're paying Jeez. him 40 a year and you're paying Cat and you're paying Edwards? Cat, like Cat, him and Cat next season, not this current season, next season yeah. combined will will account for $100 million on their salary cap. Dude, to be what? <laughs> Are are you even are you even conference finals good? Are you even like, right now they're not a playoff team. They are they are they are sputtering bat and the shocking thing is they don't have a way to get a bucket. Because it's like garbage. It, and I've I've watched a lot of I watch a lot of basketball, poor Mrs. Monty. I watch a lot of NBA basketball. They struggle in the half court offensively. It's weird. On the break, they're great. They're fine. They're fast. They run. It's it's great. The Minnesota Timberwolves are struggling in the half court, and especially in the Western Conference. You've got to execute in the half court. Yeah. It's what has separated the Jazz. Will Hardy has put in this system where the ball moves, they make the extra pass, they get the easy basket. Like, Minnesota can't do that right now, and it's bizarre. Like, they don't throw lobs to Rudy. They really don't use him for pick and roll very much. He truly is, hey, we missed that shot. Go get me a rebound and try to get a basket. Because he's not getting to the free throw line a ton. Yeah. He's not. It's it's bizarre to me. They just haven't. I think they thought it would be easy to plug him in and just let Carl Anthony Towns play that 3-4. And it has not worked out at all. Well, and I think you look at the at mobility all. of Markkinen versus Gobert. And, I, and, I, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I made that point about Conley's ability to do all this stuff and pick and roll now and work all these different angles. And that, frankly, is why, like, like the, the, the Christian Woods of the world or these, like, hybrid sort of, you know, not quite seven-footer guys, like, you know, your Zions, how they can survive in the league now. Because they can still set the screen, but they're so damn athletic for their size that there's really not a matchup for him. And if you look at Jared Vanderbilt, yeah, he's the example we're talking about. Because exactly. he's not somebody you count on offensively. He, the other night, I think he took one three. Like, he's just not a guy that you count on. But he can get you a bucket. And, and you're not hoping that he shoots a three, but he can make a three. Rudy Gobert took a three the other night that was a foot short of the rim. <laughs> It's crazy. So for everybody who said that I, you know, I was an idiot and I just hated Rudy, look how much better you are at the four or five position now without him on the roster playing with a modern body style in the NBA, which is Vando and Markkinen. Those two guys in Olenek, obviously they're doing a really nice job. I, I think the minute distribution on this team, by the way, is not something we should overlook. If you look at the minute distribution Colin Sexton is playing starters minutes. He's playing 30-plus minutes a game. And if you look at Kelly Olenek, most nights he's not. He's a 20-minute-a-night guy, 20 and below. 
The minute distribution on this team is critical because those are the guys that are on the floor in high leverage situations. Yes. All right, uh, Ace King eighty eight says Will Hardy is a mastermind. The way he breaks down <laughs> offense, the way he breaks down offense and defense, brilliant. I'm <laughs> explain Snyder late game's decision were egregious. I'm a Sloan guy. Hardy is closer to Sloan. Well, I'm not going to compare. I'm not comparing. We're not doing. Come on. That. We Come are on. not comparing Will Hardy to Jerry Sloan. We're not doing. Jerry Sloan's one of the greatest coaches in the history of not just this franchise, but the NBA. The guy yeah, was a really good coach. Him like that. Come, Come on. on now. Yeah. Come on now. Mike P says this is the problem with small market one team towns. Y'all crazy. Yeah, I don't know about that. Jake Sperling says beating the Clippers without Vando is an impressive win. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't have Vando. They don't have Kawhi. I mean, Paul George, look, I'm not saying it's not a good win, but what I'm saying is you, you can't, don't get too high on this. Don't get, like, if I look at the numbers in that game last night, obviously Jordan Clarkson, six of nine for three. I mean, Jordan played really well last night. Um, but the, the number that it stands out to you is five dimes for Jordan. If he's going to shoot nine threes, go eight of 15 from the floor, you need assists, you need defense. And he ran hard on defense multiple times, which I appreciate. But you look at some of the other numbers, I mean, they out-rebounded the Clippers 42-32. Um, you look at the free throw numbers, they shot 26 free throws. The Clippers only shot 13. So that thing I complain about all the time, the Clippers were 8-13 from the line. The Jazz did not get themselves into unnecessary foul trouble. Now, Olenek had five, but he did that in 29 minutes. So, you know, I, like I, I, I think they're evolving as a team. And if they learn to control that, that just when you watch the Jazz, watch how many stupid fouls they take. <laughs> because notice the thing that this team doesn't do. This team, like the last three years, that stupid foul to stop the fast break absolutely killed them in the playoffs. The take foul. Yeah, yeah. it absolutely killed them because it put teams like Dallas and the Clippers on the free throw line. Like, Final. This team, not only because now it's it's legislated out of the game, but they don't take that type of stupid foul. Hey, I'm just going to slap foul you because you went by me. Right? They play team defense. But you're starting to see that those fouls, are, are they're learning. They clearly are learning to defend without fouling. And I know that seems awfully tri trivial or, you know, that I'm trying to mansplain to you. I'm not. What I'm trying to tell you is that's a really important thing for a team that's coming together not to do that. Yeah. Uh, Mike Maple says, Morning, my friends. The comparison comes because some of these games that the Jazz have fought back to win is the opposite of last year. Realism will kick in at some point. Oh, I agree with that. I think the collapse in the fourth quarter last year was a lack of morale. And I think, it, and we talked about it at times last year where, yeah. hey, you know, maybe this team needed a change in voice. Clearly they did. Well, I mean, we don't know because now that team is completely gone. But I think it's it's such a stark contrast. I mean, you, you know, that take foul might be the best example you've come up with so far, like about about you know this year's team versus last year's team. Like I'm, I my opinion is it's, it's a little even more than morale. Like I think this team isn't in in those kind of positions, take foul or otherwise. Like they're not behind the transition game mainly because they're not allowing teams to do that to them. Like, e even when they miss, you notice that it's like a dogfight to get the rebound. Like, yes. they're forcing teams to work hard to rebound. So when you do that, you're not going to be able to outlet to half court in one pass. Like, that—that that is why 
they're able to hold teams down a little bit. And I also think that's why they were able to get control of the game again last night. Like, like that to me was the best part about last night. Like you were, you did well in the first half, even though Paul George did what he did, which by the way, was super fun to watch. Paul George had himself a first half, but, but in that third quarter, it felt like the game was starting to slip from you. And this team so far has been very prone to blowing 15 point leads. They've done it multiple times. But then you reel this game back in last night. And that's what what those are the type of things that I really get excited about. I hope people understand how difficult it is to overcome a lead. Like when you're when you are you're down 15. Do you understand how much energy it takes to overcome that? And do you understand how difficult it is once you take the lead? Let's say you're down 15 and you go up by a point you naturally are going to relax and take a breath and be like, ooh, we did it. That's why teams that overcome these huge deficits don't generally go on to win those games. If you look in just about any sport, like, you know, whether it's hockey and the Utah Grizzlies on opening weekend, they were down three, nothing. They came back and tied the game at three and everybody's like, woohoo. Well, then you go on to lose five, three because you run out of gas. It takes a ton of your energy. Yeah. So it, when the Jazz were losing last year, it, they'd be up 20 points and they'd blow that lead, those fourth quarter blown leads. It's because they collapsed. They quit. They gave up. That's what was happening there. Thanks. So, and I, again, I know that was a hot button issue last year. And mm-hmm. But anyway, here and there. Utah Jazz Talk on the Monty Show is presented by our good friends at Triday Trading, tridaytrading.com slash Monty. You know, it's been great talking to a lot of our listeners who have now finally started watching the free webinar at tridaytrading.com. And when you understand what day trading is, they are called trydaytrading.com for a reason, because they're going to teach you how to be a prolific day trader. And they have an incredible track record of success. There's a reason that you, when you start actually making trades, you do that with their money, not your money. And when you make money with their money, they split the profit with you because they're that confident that they can teach you that you can use their systems and their, their, you know, their ways of trading, their methodology to trade to make real money. And that's why you hear people that are like, oh, you know, I started at tridaytrading.com slash Monty as a, as a side hustle. You know, I work at home, I hate my job, so I was looking for a side hustle. I went to tridaytrading.com, watch the free webinar. That's how it always goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you guys are full of crap. Okay, well, don't take my word for it. Go watch the, the, the free webinar at tridaytrading.com slash Monty. It will change your life. I kid you not. All of the people that I talked to that said, man, I really hated my job. I didn't know what I was going to do. We talked to a guy last week that was at his wits end and watched that webinar. And now he's in the Tri-Day Trading program. Like I'm, I'm all I'm asking you to do is go watch the webinar. It's that powerful. Tridaytrading.com slash Monty. All you have to do is register. It's free. There's no cost. There's no obligation beyond the webinar. Hey, register for it. Go watch the webinar. Please make sure you tell me you heard about it. On the Monty Show, trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Go watch the webinars. We talk Utah Jazz basketball, football 50, presented by uh, our good friends at Papa Murphy's coming up here in about nine minutes. Uh, Big Gringus says, I was a little befuddled when we gave Rudy that contract. I guess it worked out. Well, no, I guess it didn't work out. Like, yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> it, it, it prevented you from winning a championship. Yeah. I mean, think about the difference of, let's just say instead of, 30 or 41, he's making 31 on average. What does $10 million get you? 
I mean, that gets you a really impactful role player. So now if you look at the way this cap is structured now, you don't have that really heavy contract. And the heaviest contract is Mike Conley at 21, but that expires after this year. So I think you're just getting your financial house in order. And I know that there was a lot of consternation. And I, I cannot tell you how many jazz listeners were like, I thought you guys were just a-holes and you hated the jazz and you were just poking the bear. And now I've come around to, you know, the way you guys were talking about it and it was true. And you know, it, it, like facts straight. It's the NBA is not hard to diagnose when you take off your fan mask. When you when you put that jazz fandom aside and you say to yourself, okay, well, this team's eight and three. Are they going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline? Friends, they're sellers at the deadline. Yeah. They're not buying at the deadline. They're selling at the deadline. Well, you can't trade Jordan Clarkson. Uh, can you take that fan mask off, please? Hey, should we trade Jordan Clarkson at the deadline? Do oh, yeah. you want to set up the meeting? Yeah, probably because he has a ton of value. At this point, like who's the all-star on this team at this point? I think there's probably two real candidates, Lori Markinen and Colin Sexton. Because I think Colin Sexton is giving you massive production off the bench. Like he has slid into that six-man role quite nicely, right? You, you're not missing a beat. Is Jordan Clarkson an all-star candidate? Yeah, he probably is. But my guess is if there's going to be a name traded off this roster at the deadline, which, by the way, remember the deadline's before the All-Star game this year. <laughs> yeah. My guess is it's Jordan Clarkson. So if you're asking me what guy's going to wear a Jazz uniform in the All-Star game, you better consider the trade deadline, which I would have to say Laurie Markkinen's probably your All-Star because he's been awfully good. Yeah. He's, been, he's the guy you can count on because yeah. he can shoot the three, he can get to the basket and get fouled, and he's a really gifted free-throw shooter. He has a really smooth stroke. So, you know, if it were me, I would, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah, that's I, just, I agree with all of that. And I think that, you know, the, the, it's funny how the trade deadline being before the all star game really has kind of changed the way teams have to operate. Cause, like, if you remember, the conversation was, well, like, who's going to be this team's all star? Are they going to not burn the team down because they need an all star? And it's like, no, dude, like, they, they completely transformed this team. You clearly have guys on this team who can get get it done in the all-star game. And and to me, I just don't think you can operate that way. Like that is one thing I will say. Like you can't like we have to avoid going to the extremes. Like it, it's just a business thing. Jordan's got value. Yeah, Mike's got value. It's a business value. decision. That's it, you know? And and that's why I say it's it's just one of those situations where I'm telling you, teams, like we've heard that teams are already calling. Like I'm telling you, they're going to get a a a thousand and one calls from teams around the league about guys like Jordan Clarkson. I, I would guess they're going to get calls about Mike. I would guess they would even get calls about Lori Markkinen. Like, you're going to get calls. I would guess and come, I think the trade deadline is February 10th. I, I memorize that because it's a day after my brother's birthday, I'm pretty sure. So come February 10th at like 5 o'clock, would you be upset if Jordan Clarkson was on somebody else's roster? If you're a Jazz fan, you should be bummed. You shouldn't be upset. Yeah. Because that means Danny got a big, big to do. So I think the the trade deadline being a week before the All-Star game is is fascinating this year. You know what else is fascinating is the fact that, you know, when we talk about the biggest stories in sports, the Jazz continue to lead the biggest stories in sports. It's crazy to me. I mean, we had, you know, here this weekend, if, if you'd asked me before the Jazz game ended last night, 
I'd have probably said BYU beating Boise would be the biggest story. Huge win. Going to talk about that coming up in 15 minutes at 7 o'clock. But that's a huge win, right? I think the Jazz being 8-3 and three is a bigger story than BYU. Honest to goodness, I, I, think, I think Utah dismantling Arizona <laughs> and getting Cam Rising back in the lineup and getting what you got from Jaquindon Jackson, huge story. I think the Jazz sweeping in L.A., being 8-3, and three, is a bigger story. I think that they are, they, the, the Utah Jazz, as Utah sports fans, they have our hearts and minds. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Like, I think we're all invested in football. There's, there's no doubt about that. We, in this state, we all live and die on football. But, man. The Jazz look are good. At the jazz, like, you look at who they are. You look at the way they're playing. You look at the names. Again, all, I, just, I just go back to this premise where you have a team that is anonymous. You didn't know the faces. You don't know the uniforms. You don't know the court, right? You, you, you had nothing to hang on to. And all of a sudden, this team starts winning games. And they're 8-3. and three. And all of a sudden, it's, it's Lori marketing. It's Lori. It's, you know, it's JC. It's Conley. It's, it, like it's, you're starting to embrace that Jared Vanderbilt's a jazz man. That's right, T. And he looks pretty good in the black uniform. And nobody looks good in that white uniform. I think we all agree with that. But that floor is actually fire now. Okay, so hey, I don't love the simplistic note, but uh, it's kind of growing on me now. You know, like it's, it's this whole thing where we've come around. Looks a lot better when you're sweeping LA. Yeah, it, you, you just start to be a little more comfortable with it. You start to feel a little better about it. And it's a completely different feel to where this jazz team was a year, two years ago, like when Ryan Smith bought the team, like it's just a different feeling. To We're me. getting somewhere. And now you feel like you're headed in the right direction. That I think is the biggest difference. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest difference, you know, like totally. Yeah. Tanner, I agree. Tanner Plummer um, says winning cures everything. It does cure everything. You know, like it just is, it's, it's it allows remarkable. you to feel better. Like, it just that's just how it works that's how that's what winning does that's why it cures everything because you just feel better yep jake sperling says that lakers team played great for them and the jazz were still 15 points better yeah matt you're wasting lebron you're absolutely wasting lebron i mean you watch that 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 i watched the second half of that uh Cavs laker game yesterday uh at staples or excuse me at crypto i can't uh, it's always gonna it's be always gonna be yeah. um but at crypto and LeBron played really well and they're just wasting him. It's, it's remarkable to me. They still have not made that play. It's starting to get around that Donnie is a top five player in the league. 31 points. He's averaging 31 points a game, man. I, I just don't know what else he needs to do. Uh, Michael Burton gives us a $5 tip. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. If jazz are 75, win team at the trade deadline 750 win percentage i think is what you mean at the trade deadline would they still be sellers or buyers i think you're sellers because you're not a chance this roster is not going to win a championship yeah they're not even if you were 11 and 0 right now I, you're just not you this roster's not going to compete with the golden states the bostons the milwaukee's you know like you're not going to compete with the teams at the top of the at the top of the west the phoenixes well, and everyone's going to say, world. oh, well, we're beating these teams now. Oh, well, we're running these teams out the building. We, you know, we swept LA. Like, we're beating these teams. We beat Memphis. Like, 
why can't what what do you mean we're not a championship team and it's like you got to understand that that to win an nba championship it's not about what you did in the regular season i mean look no further than both you know last year with the suns being the number one seed and then the year before with the jazz being the number one seed that didn't mean a damn thing in the playoffs and you look at you know what you need to win a championship you got to be able to win seven game series you got you got to be able to win uh, when you're playing the same team over and over again and they know your weaknesses and strength and you know theirs and it's just going to come down to who's a better coach who calls those timeouts or doesn't call those timeouts who has better uh, you know out of bounds plays like that little stuff so even if you were you know even if you had a 750 winning percentage i agree i would still be a seller because you need a a bona fide superstar to come to this team to win a championship and that's you don't have that yet this comment right here is dangerous not true monty it's heart and belief so the jazz can win it all mm. listen man i'm telling you if the jazz win a championship it's very good for this show this current incarnation of the Jazz cannot win a championship. Have And just go back to our track record. I, and I know we have a lot of new listeners on this show. I've covered this league for 30 years. You know it when you see it. You know it when you see it. You know that Boston is a better team. You know that Milwaukee is probably the best team in the NBA right now. You know that Phoenix is a better team than the Jazz are. Denver, did anybody see Jamal Murray's reverse dunk on two dudes last night or the other night? Denver's a better team than the Jazz are right now. And what happens in a seven-game series is you wind up taking Rudy Gobert to the perimeter. And Terrence Mann takes you to the next round against Rudy Gobert. You pick on the weakest link. You cannot tell me that you stand there right now today after 11 games and believe that you can beat the Golden State Warriors in a seven-game series. That you can beat the Phoenix Suns in a seven-game series. That you can beat the Milwaukee Bucks in a seven-game series. That, it, it's not, they're not built to do that. Teams will figure out the Jazz. The Jazz will, the three ball won't go in at the rate it usually goes in. You're going to have a stretch of games where you're going to lose five of five seven. That's going to happen. So what I'm telling you is, don't care if they win a championship. Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. That's all you have to do. That's all your job is as a jazz fan. That and listen to football at 50, 10 of the hour, every hour on the Monty Show. We bring you the biggest stories in football. We'll uh, get back to the jazz. BYU coming up in eight minutes. Um, but I look at a couple stories on football 50 presented by the, uh, our good friends at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Use the promo code Monty25. To get 25% off your purchase at $25 or more. Who saw LSU and Alabama in Death Valley? Did you see what Brian Kelly did? That dude's got balls the size of globes. Because he's tied in overtime after Bryce Young <clears throat> did it not once but twice. Took Alabama down the field like it was nobody's, nobody's business. Like there wasn't another team on the field. Gets them in the end zone, sends the game to overtime. Alabama scores. So LSU has to score a touchdown. One play, touchdown. Is Brian Kelly going to just kick the extra point? We're going to go to second overtime, right? Nah, bro. He goes for two. They throw a touchdown to the freshman tight end who a year ago was playing high school football. 
and they beat Alabama for the biggest win in, in regular season for LSU. Certainly a Brian Kelly's era. But that was an impressive call, and it's not one that I thought that he would make. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it's funny, like, when you're in Brian Kelly's position and you're, you know, taking over a program and you're and you're newer, I, I love this, this mentality of, like, yeah, let's go for it. It's Alabama, right? They came to our place. And, and they're pushing us to a loss here. We got to do something about it. And, and I just love the fact that, as you said, he did have balls of steel. He did say, yeah, you know what? Instead of just kicking this extra point and giving Alabama the ball back again, why don't we go for it and be okay if it doesn't work out? Because if it does work out and the freshman does decide to catch the football, we're going to be in a great place. And now, what are they, seventh in the nation now with that victory, I think it was? Yeah, you, you know, you're seventh in the nation. Alabama's 10th in the nation. Like, you're in a great spot. Like, I just, it's just what sports is about. His name, by the way, is Mason Taylor, mm-hmm. the tight end who got the, t- it was a, uh, unbelievable. By the way, Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the country, period. I'm telling you that right now. And I would also like to talk about my R&We, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Yeah. Absolutely dismantled Clemson. Absolutely dismantled them. By the way, everybody who said that, oh, Michael Meyer got lucky. Yeah, no, he didn't. Because he did it again. Yeah, you don't get lucky if you're if you're dude. Like, dude is gifted and talented. And I just, while we're on the Clemson topic, I have to say, how long until we can just say Dabo is not in the, the Nick Saban Kirby Smart level of coaches. Like, I'm tired of hearing about this guy who plays in one of the worst conferences in college football. Wears me out. Like, and, and gets absolutely trounced when he shouldn't. Like, I'm just tired of that. And I don't mean to rant like this, but it gets old. Like, clearly, Trevor Lawrence carried you for several years, and now you haven't been the same team since. So I'd like to stop hearing about it until they become an actual college football playoff caliber program and I regularly. And I think DJ Lele has disappointed. I mean, there, there's just no there's no doubt about that at, at Clemson. I just don't think he's a number one. Uh, a guy who clearly is a number one is uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady eclipses 100,000 passing yards in his career an absolutely clutch moment as the yeah. Bucks beat the Rams. Um, while I was sitting on the couch last night eating some amazing Costco pot pie, and if you haven't had it yet, I don't. You're not living well. Yeah. Um, it was amazing watching Tom Brady throw Tommy multiple touchdowns, most of which were dropped because you tried to catch with your face mask. But Tom Brady, 100,000 yards, leads them to a win over the Rams. I just don't know how you, you, A, he's the best professional football player ever, but how is he not the best professional athlete in the history of sports? I mean, the guy has absolutely accomplished everything you want to accomplish. He's got more championships than anybody else. He's got more swag and drip than anybody else. I just don't know how he's not the greatest professional athlete ever. I mean, if you look at the other guys that would even be on that list, guys like Michael Jordan, um, I don't even know, who, like, who's the greatest baseball player ever? I mean, that's so difficult to... Yeah. I mean, obviously, we all think it's Ryan Sandberg of the Chicago Cubs. Obviously. I mean, Tom's probably better than Rhino was, you know. Jeter. Anyway, the point is, I think Tom Brady's the greatest professional athlete ever, um, which is not who Justin Fields is, and everybody got <laughs> their, their, their blood throbbing that... Justin Fields ran for 178 yards to break the all-time record uh, that Mike Vick had had before him. 
And let me just ask you a question. As a quarterback, do you need to be able to run to win games? Man, that's tough. The answer is no. Yeah. No, you don't. Am I the only one who noticed that yesterday he was 17 to 28 for 123 yards? Now he threw for three touchdowns. He's definitely improving. But is his 178 yard rushing performance impressive enough that you're like, oh, yeah, he's the all time great? Like, there are fans saying, and analysts on ESPN this morning saying he's the best Bears quarterback of all time. Uh, I don't know about all that. I, I, I mean, if you want to make a case that maybe he's the most talented, okay, maybe, but not the greatest. I What I would say, though, is that well, as far as the running thing, I think the modern NFL quarterback has to have the ability to run uh, a, a good bit. You look at the best in the league right now, like your Mahomes and your Josh Allen and you know, the, the top guys who are next after Aaron Rodgers and Tom Notice Brady Notice that retire. you're not saying Lamar Jackson. Yeah, because the problem for Lamar is he can't throw. That's the problem. He's not a he's not a prolific thrower. So, like, you have to be able to, to stand in the pocket and deliver. It's what I always but, say. At some point, as a quarterback, it's going to come down to your ability to stand in the pocket and deliver the football. And Lamar yeah. can't do it. And Justin Fields can't do it. And until those guys show me that they can do it, even a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who throws three interceptions, the Packers have lost five in a row, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers over Justin Field. There's there's just there's no doubt about that. Right. And I'll I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. Until you can stand in the pocket and deliver the football, you don't deserve Papa Murphy's pizza. Papa Murphy's presents how to change the way you pizza. Step one, carefully knead dough. Step two, artfully spread sauce. Step three, add fresh mozzarella and assemble toppings. Step four, realize we already did all that for you. So all you have to do is bake it. For a limited time only, get the Hog Heaven Pizza with Canadian bacon, ground sausage, and crispy bacon. Papa Murphy's, change the way you pizza. Indeed you do. Papa Murphy's, use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more at Papa Murphy's Pizza. And again, I will tell you, download the app. It is absolutely the easiest way to order Papa Murphy's Pizza. And the best thing is, like for Monday Night Football tonight or Monday Home Evening tonight, make sure that you order your pizza right now. Get on your app and do it. Say, hey, I want to pick it up at 4 o'clock. It'll be sitting on the pickup rack waiting for you with your name on it. You walk in. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to touch anybody. You just, hey, man, great. It's paid for. It's made. Pick it up. Make sure that you get the chocolate chip cookie, the take and bake, chocolate chip cookie dough, the s'mores. I would go chocolate chip cookies because the the cookie dough is fantastic, but the take and bake s'mores are pretty good as well. But it'll be sitting there on the rack. It's super easy at Papa Murphy's Pizza, the Monty Show, presented by the Utah Advocates, utahadvocates.com. Uh, the best injury attorneys in the business, 701 uh, in a crazy weekend of sports. I see a lot of you commenting on the NFL. It was a great weekend uh, in the NFL. Let's see, uh, McKinley Cutler, always working at the bakery in the morning, love listening while baking those cookies. What's up, McKinley? Love it. Good to see you, friend. Uh, appreciate you. Brent uh, Burnett says, BYU did, n- did win without many of their guys. Had to dig deep and believe. Look, coach, take it easy. (laughs) Take it easy. Um, I mean, the guy we got to talk about, obviously, with BYU. And we will get back to the Jazz coming up at 730. 
the guy we got to talk about with BYU is Jaron Hall. And yes, Puka was amazing. He is by, I think he's one of the most underrated, underappreciated wide receivers in all of college football. But the performance that Jaron Hall put in against Boise State is the stuff of legends. And watching that game and just digesting the importance of every single one of those throws and the decision-making that he made. And I don't know that it's fact, and I don't know that we'll ever know the truth, but I swear I saw him change two or three of those calls. And I, I you know what? I don't understand how we are here two weeks from Thanksgiving, and we just saw Puka Nakua get a full allotment of play calls for him. And I'm telling you, two or three of those play calls were changed by Jaron Hall to get Puka Nakua the football. And it paid off. And the the reason that I want to talk about Jaron on a Monday morning where we could easily talk about Puka Nakua for an hour on this show, the reason I think we need to talk about Jaron Hall is because he became a BYU legend on the Blue Turf in Boise on Saturday night. And he did that because he showed leadership. And he showed command. And he showed poise. And he showed the ability to run. He showed the ability to deliver the football in time and space. Did he miss two, three throws in the second half? He did. But when the game was on the line, what did he do? He made a perfect throw that required, by the way, a perfect catch out of Puka Nakua because of a terrible, egregious, missed call of a rushing touchdown at the end of the first half. But don't let that stop your joy. Because Puka Nakua made one of the most important catches of the modern era of BYU football. Because I think if they lose that game, there's a real chance we're wondering if Kalani Sataki is the coach of the, the BYU Cougars after this season. Y'all feel me? And if Jaron Hall doesn't deliver a perfect pass, if he's not poised and in control, If Jaron Hall doesn't give you one of the best performances in the regular season that we've seen from a BYU quarterback, they don't win that game. And I understand that Puka did what he did. Jaron Hall's the guy we should be talking about this morning. And we can stop with this nonsense about Bryson Barnes. We can stop with this nonsense about Cam Rising. The best quarterback in the state of Utah is Jaron Hall. Because when you're losing, it's easy to be negative. When you're losing, it's easy to be negative. Jaron Hall's not negative. Jaron Hall was positive. He was a leader and he performed. And I think that's why he's the guy you have to talk about this morning. Yeah. And I think he's absolutely been the, the, the centerpiece of, of what they've been able to, to put together to get through this really rough stretch. I, I, I think this has easily been, you know, and again, I, obviously I haven't been covering BYU for 20 years or anything, but just in the time that I've been paying attention to the team, like this has obviously been one of the most difficult stretches that Kalani's been through. And I, and I think when, when you, like this period where you had a guy in Zach Wilson who really performed and did all these great things in the program and like it was, it, you know, it was amazing and the, and the fan base was hyped and now there's all these big expectations and then the Big 12 thing gets announced now it's like it feels like you got to this next level, but with that next level came a ton of expectations. So when you were, you know, going downhill here and losing game after game, and Tuiaki was embarrassing as a defensive coordinator, and and Kalani had to take over that piece, all of that's happening. Who's right in the middle of that? 
Jaron Hall is right in the middle of that. Jaron Hall's always been the guy that says, hey, like, we just got to stay positive. We just got to focus on doing our job. We just got to make sure that we're consistent and 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 staying in our lane. And again, you, you, like he delivers. And, and, and I do agree that talent-wise, he's better than Cam Rising. I think that as a thrower, he's better than Cam Rising. And I think that when if he did, because I agree, you can't say definitively, but it did look like he changed a couple of those plays. When you do that and it works out, you put your best player in a position to make a play, like you deserve a lot of credit for that. And we've talked so much about how Aaron Roderick hasn't been getting Puka the ball and how how it's been such a struggle. So it was just great that with everything on the line that was for the program going to Boise, that that catch was made and those plays were called and you were able to leave there feeling good about yourself as you, you know, head into the back end of the schedule. Well, and I think you listen to what Jaron said after the game, and I think this right here is exactly why. When we talk about leadership and we talk about maturity and we talk about the importance of a quarterback, don't think that this message that he put out right here was, this was very intentionally done. For weeks, you know, we didn't hear anything but negative talk. And so now there's going to be a lot of positive talk. We can't pay attention to that either. we got to keep the same mindset that got us here this win tonight. Just focus on ourselves. The guys in this locker room, our families, that's all that matters. Um, you know, we love our fans. They're always here for us. We appreciate them. So just, just staying humble and understand that we got, you know, a couple more games on the schedule to take care of. It's easy to get too high and it's easy to get too low. Harris Lachance tells us that every week on this show as they try to shut that out. But it's easy when you win a game to read your own press clippings. And you can't do that. And I also think you listen to Puka Nakua. Listen to what Puka said after the game here. Um, you know, talking about being one of the best players. <laughs> uh, um, I still got a lot to prove. There are a lot of blocking plays where I didn't. And there are a lot of um, routes where I could have done a lot better. But um, we won the game. And that's the end objective. And um, whatever the, our team needs me to do, I, I got to continue to be better. But it was fun to play out there football. Um, every time they... The ball comes my way. It's my job to make plays uh, in the run game, pass game, uh, blocking, running routes, trying to score touchdowns. So it was a fun. That was a great game of football all around for us. Yeah, I think you're going to see that kid playing on Sundays. And it, it just is when you hear Puka talk and then you hear a guy like Jaron Hall talk about Puka Nakua, this bite again, I go back to leadership. I go back to the quarterback. I go back to the importance of what the quarterback says. Here's Jaron Hall on Puka Nakua. 100%. I've always known that. One of the best players in college football, hands down. Every, he, he does it all. Every, there's nothing he can't do. What makes him so special, Puka? He loves the game. He loves, us. He, loves, he loves us. I mean, that dude is the most energetic guy in the field, always, most, most faith, most belief, and he puts time in the game. I mean, people don't see behind the scenes how much he loves his game, how much he thinks about it, um, how much time he spends studying it. It's, it's impressive. I, I just love seeing him going out there and, and doing his thing. And that, to me, speaks volumes because he didn't say, oh, man, he's just really fast. And he puts time into the game. Yeah. He works on his game. He works on his body. He works on being a good teammate. Like, though, this is the stuff of legends, man. That's why I'm telling you, I hope that you appreciate in this, in this tumultuous season, I hope that you appreciate the quality of the player that you're seeing. The games have not ended the way you wanted the games to end. That doesn't mean that you're not getting spectacular performances out of guys like Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua. I think Gabe Summers gave you, and nobody's going to talk about Gabe Summers. Nobody's going to talk about anybody on that defensive line because of how maligned it's been. Without Gabe Summers, BYU does not win that game in Boise. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Full stop. Without Gabe Summers, they don't win that game. And I, I know that that defense, which I think is really important, has been maligned. It was great to see blitzing out of the defense. It was great to see aggression 
in play calling, out of the defense, and it's what we talked about last week. You don't make a switch and instantly see something different on defense. You went back to Kalani as the defensive coordinator. Now we had some time. Now we got to install some packages. Now we can see some blitzing and aggression out of the linebackers. We can see some stunting on the defensive line. Now into a bye week. What did Kalani say? What Kalani said was the bye week's really important. Just trying to play fundamental South football. That's what we're trying to do. I think we 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 missed didn't miss as many tackles as before. And I think some of the big plays happened because we missed tackles and we're just gonna keep working on that. We have a, a bye week now, next week, and so uh, we have to use that week to get better in the fundamentals and then just keep working hard. That, that's, that's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> They're on a bye now. And and it feels good to finally be here, I feel like, for the program. Like 10 weeks in a row of just like ass kicking. Yeah, this is, this, the schedule did not do you any favors. I mean, there, there's just no, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. You know, I think it's one of those things that is very difficult. And the, and the tough thing this morning is that you have a Utah team that absolutely dismantled Arizona. Yeah. And I mean at half speed. Utah, if, if you watched any of that game, Utah really was not their best, not close to their best. Like that was that Ute team that you saw on the field was was not stellar. And they dismantled Arizona. Dis, and I, I will again say, hear my words on this. The next great Barton has arrived. Lander Barton is a stud. That kid, before it's said and done, is going to be one of the best linebackers in the country. And he will play on Sundays. And he will be better than any of the Bartons that came before him. And isn't it funny how that works? He's right? just, yeah. Like, like, I mean, he is. I mean, you look at the history of, 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 of Kyle Whittingham-led teams. And, and, and again, I, I'm just going to keep saying it. Like, I, I think every head coach has, you know, ability, uh, you know, that's that's really channeled into one area of the football team. So like Kyle Whittingham is a defensive minded head coach, right? And so he's always got like a Barton or he's always got, you know, some stud in, in the linebacker core. And typically he's got a, a big time uh, cornerback or safety, like a Clark Phillips. Like he's always got guys. And I think that to me is again, like this morning when we're talking about BYU and Utah, like I think that the character of these two teams was on full display. Like, yeah, Utah wasn't their best, and they still torched what is a a P5 Pac-12 team. Like, yeah. what, whatever you think about Arizona. And I think, obviously, you know, the Boise win for BYU is a massive character win. They're not going to any great bowl game. Like, right now, they're projected to play in the New Mexico Bowl. Great. Like, who cares? But the point is, is that you could have easily gone to Boise and died on the blue turf. And you didn't. And you did have these great plays. And Jaron is able to talk after the game. And Puka, you know, is able to talk. And, and I don't know. It just, it was just like you started the show last hour by saying this is one of the best sports weekends that we've had in the state of Utah in a really long time. And I really think that's the best way to characterize it. Because no matter who your team is, right? Whether you're a Utah guy or a BYU guy or whatever, right? You had a great weekend. And I think we we can't skip over that fact on, on a great Monday. No, I agree. Uh, the Monty Show presented by the Advocates, utahadvocates.com. I wanted to be in radio since I was tiny. It's constantly on the go and remembering what buttons to push, but I love it. It's so much fun. I'm Katie. I'm a radio producer and a dinosaur fanatic. I was injured in two very similar car accidents, hit from behind. Obviously wasn't my fault. I was sitting there stopped when I called up the advocates. They're like, oh, you definitely have a case. I'm grateful to have attorneys on my side when I need them. 
you never know what can happen on the road and it's nice to know that you have some place to go that can help. Yeah, that's why you trust the advocates, utahadvocates.com. And as I always tell you, no, no big retainers, no upfront costs for you. You don't pay consultation fees. In fact, the best part about going to utahadvocates.com, you can chat with them online, the best injury attorneys in the business, the advocates, utahadvocates.com. Let's get your comments in here. Uh, Tyler P says, uh, Jaron Hall deserves to play for a better team. I think Jaron Hall deserves to play wherever he wants to play. And I think Jaron Hall wants to play at Wants to play at BYU. And listen, I understand why Utah fans will be upset. I mean, you, again, at half speed, you dismantled Arizona. And BYU's the, the bigger story. And I, I don't, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I just think this tells you the gravitational pull of BYU football. I mean, it, as in, in a town where football is king, I, I think BYU is always going to be the big story. But I think that comment, like, hey, Jaron deserves to play for a better team. The problem is not that you're entirely wrong because it'd be great to see Jaron Hall play for Alabama or Georgia or something ridiculous like that. The problem with that, though, is that there is no other team like BYU. Like that or hate that, like that's the truth of the matter. There is not another team, in my opinion, that has the feel and like the culture and like just how how it goes. Like the experience you get at BYU is different. And again, we're, we're not like I'm not a BYU fan. Like I'm not even from Utah. Right. I'm just simply telling you that like you can like they may not be the best team in the country, but but there's a reason Jaron Hall wants to be a Cougar. Like that's just as simple as it is. Well, and I also think there's a high level of apathy from Utah fans. I think there is a high, high level of apathy. We've had Utah fans tell us repeatedly, well, this is how our season goes. We'll lose a game we shouldn't lose and we'll win all the big games and we never get there. Well, you got there last year and you have everything you want in front of you. You beat Oregon, everything's on the table, yep. right? Because don't forget USC and UCLA are going to play. If, you are a, if you're a Ute fan, you are now a USC fan because you want USC to beat UCLA. And, and you, you just look at the way this conference is set up. There's no reason that Utah can't get everything it wants out of this season. You got to go to Oregon and win, which is a very difficult thing now. Uh, Greg Hawkins says, I feel great about, the, about this BYU team personally. <laughs> I know you do. Uh, he also says, anytime BYU loses at least six games, it's a good time for me. Yes, it is. <laughs> Jeremy Bolton says, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you just say something positive about BYU? What's next? Ranch over blue cheese, Greg no. Hawkins? He didn't say something. It was a backhanded compliment. It wasn't positive. It wasn't. Uh, BYU was screwed as an independent, but doesn't mean we can't cheer for our team when they win anyways. Big 12 is a real win, which is coming soon. I will, I will disagree with BYU fans on independence until the day I die, which could be today. Uh, I'm just telling you that you weren't screwed as an independent. You weren't. You, had, you knew what the job was, and the job was very difficult. And this year, you didn't do the job as an independent. So you're going to be bowl eligible. You're probably going to wind up in the Las Vegas Bowl, depending on where Utah goes. Yeah. You know, like, it, it, who, like let's see where you end up. Let's see what invitations you get. You know, I mean, I know you're contractually obligated to a couple of really not great bowls, but we'll see. We'll see. Josh Lovren says the negative noise has been warranted this year with BYU. Yeah, to a certain extent. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, Gage Carter says, uh, Jeremy, how does Cam Rising suck? Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody thinks seriously thinks that Cam Rising sucks. Yeah. 
I think the rhetoric from Utah fans that Jaron Hall's not as good as Bryson Barnes is embarrassing. I mean, it, it, for for Utah fan, because a lot of Utah fans are like, oh, Bryson Barnes is better. You don't. That's a joke. Come on, come on. Uh, Brett Burnett says BYU wins, they make some happy, and when they lose, they make Greg happy. That's exactly right. Uh, Boyd Lake says the Nakua's energy uh, has been the lifeblood of BYU for as long as they have been there. Yeah, I mean. Puka, I, he he pushes that team forward. There's there's absolutely no doubt about that. He pushes that team forward. Cam Harrison, BYU winning the Pac-12 last year and now the Mountain West this year. LOL. Seriously, <laughs> seriously. Uh, Tyler P says Jared Hall deserves to play for a better team. I read that one already. Note that his helmet is a Utah. Right, right. Uh, right. Brett Burnett says I like it when all teams in Utah win. It's pretty rare. Although, yeah, we don't need to talk about Weber. It's fine. It's fine. No comment. It's fine. Tanner says, not going to lie, BYU kind of wasted Puka's talent this year. Well, wasted his talent. I mean, the injury wasted his talent. So we'll say, but again, yeah, no, we're going to be positive about. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Uh, The defense played a good game. Great to see Boyd, like says, I would agree with that. Uh, Brett Burnett says, true Tanner, but that happens. A lot of teams losing seasons happen. They do. They do. And I think, you know, that that was kind of what we talked about Friday is like, does it, like, is this a thing where Kalani, like we need to start talking about Kalani losing his job or is this a thing where you're having a down season mainly because your injury report is full of all of your workhorses? Like, you know, and, and that, that to me is what annoyed me about that injury report. It's like, dude, like you got it. You got to roll over this strength and conditioning staff. You got it. Like Have you got it. You got to figure out what the hell is going on with this injury thing, because wasting talent like Puka Nakua is insane. Like when you like, again, let's not forget you rolled out in game one on the road with a Puka Nakua, like 70 yard play. Like that's how you started your season. That's what dude is capable of. And you're not able to use him because he's hurt so much. And, and I don't know, it's just, it's just a, again, not to be negative, but I have to imagine for Kalani, when you're looking at your situation, you're like, damn, dude, like, dude getting hurt is out of my control. What am I supposed to do about that? You know, like, that's not a great place to be as a football coach. So I tend to feel like, hey, yeah, this was a down year, but I also think that the strength and conditioning thing is real, and yes, you need to absolutely. figure out, like, what you're going to do about that. Yeah, and I don't know how you fix that. I don't know if that if that is... I think there is a systematic issue at BYU. And I think there are a lot of things. And listen, man, I know it's it's Victory Monday all the way around in this town. But the dysfunction in the administration at BYU between the revenue-generating machine and the football machine do not talk to each other. And they do not mesh well. They do not. I mean, middle management at BYU is a mess. Facts. And it's going to keep my fear for BYU fan is that it keeps you from winning at a big on a on a high level in the Big Twelve because I just see it and hear about it all the time. Uh, the night guy says Kyler Murray's overrated. Yes, he is, dude. Yes, he is. Uh, Greg Hawkins says I love how everyone it talks about how difficult BYU's schedule is, as if every P five isn't playing at least nine P five games a year. But I think as an independent. When you, when you schedule across conferences the way they have, and you're running into, I mean, you just look at, or- look how good Oregon is. Look at Baylor, look at, Ar- like their schedule, 
This was one of the most difficult schedules in the country. Certainly more difficult than Utah's schedule. Dude, you're eight weeks in and you and I mean, you, you had to go to the East Coast. Like, do you have any idea how difficult that is? Like, yeah, with all I, due respect, Greg, like, like, I get it. You know, like, you know, a team like East Carolina isn't some world beater, right? Like, you know, they're obviously pushing to do some things in their program. But, yeah, you have to put it in context. It's not just about what's on the piece of paper. Like, I think that that when you have the injuries and you've played who you've played that stacks and so then you start traveling and you start taking long road trips and you start doing these things and it's like damn dude like it adds up like utah didn't didn't have to wait till week 10 or whatever it is now for their bye week right utah got it like week seven week eight so that's what i'm saying like it's not as simple as just who's on the schedule it's how it pans out and how it works out yep Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, I will keep saying this until I get recognized. As mayor, I declare all other wide receivers as casuals, with Puka effing Nakua as the honorary mayor for as long as he wants. Hey, guys. I love the guy. I do. I think he is absolutely stellar as a wide receiver. I I, I just, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing to even talk about. I mean, he is just, He's unbelievable. I, in a, in a, I mean, in a state pack with talent. I mean, is there any argument he's the best wide receiver in the state? No. I mean, it's not close. Can you imagine BYU without Puka? I, I cannot. I can't. I, I mean, look at the plays he makes, the catches he makes. That he gets that foot down. Look at what he does I mean, without the ball. Dude, the plays he makes plus what he does without the ball, like the, the attention he gets. The blocking tenacity. The con- I mean, I thought this was one of the more complete performances out of both sides of the football. I thought their, their, the offensive line was pretty solid, even though out of nowhere, Kingsley Suamataia uh, is out. I mean, Harris moves back to right tackle. Um, and I thought represented himself quite well. I mean, I... I, I I just think this offensive line has been wildly inconsistent at times, and I thought they equated themselves quite well. I think um, the linebackers played well even without Max Tooley. I thought the secondary made big plays. I I mean, it was just a good win for BYU. Absolutely, it was a good win uh, for BYU. Uh, Tyler P. says, two weeks from now, Utah at Oregon and USC versus UCLA will tell the tale. Yep. There's real questions about about USC. I mean, their their offense is. I mean, they were without their two best wide receivers. I mean, let's let's make sure we say that. I mean, USC's got injuries as well, but I think what you're seeing is the Pac-12 is starting to feast on itself. Like it is, the big boys are all running into each other now, and this is what you love about November football, right, Tyler? I mean, Utah and Oregon with with USC and UCLA with the conference on the line. I mean, it's unbelievable football. It's so good. And I, I am, it's why I always say, like, you cannot put you, Utah on the Pac 12 network. Yeah. It hurts their ability to be ranked where they should be ranked because nobody has access to it. Fucking A. Nobody. Yeah. So you can't have the Utah game. That's got to be an ESPN, ABC, or Fox game. Has to be. How is, how is BYU and Boise on FS2? <laughs> I, and you're on Pac-12 Network where nobody can see you. It's crazy, man. And yet they, they, nobody will recognize that Utah was without some of its most important players and you dismantled Arizona. You dismantled them. And the sad thing is 
that I think Utah is undervalued now with what they were able to do at Washington. I, you go to the Palouse and you, you, you roll out Bryson Barnes in a game where Fox doesn't even send the announcers. That's fucking interesting, man. How many people are watching that game on FS1 on a Thursday night? And I'm being serious. Yeah, like, like it's a great point. <laughs> how is that the, where your game is? I feel like the bar is, is like, it's, it's, a very, it's a great point. Like, dude, Utah is so proficient at winning that, that they're going to suit up their starter. They're going to push it all the way to the, to, the, to the starting offensive huddle. And then Bryson Barnes is just going to trot his little self out there. Oh, yeah, don't worry about it. We're just going to still win this game. And but- if they had sent the crew from... And, and I, I know most people know this story. Yeah. Here on the Monty Show, presented by the Advocates, UtahAdvocates.com. I know most people know this story. Fox Sports did not have their announcers travel to Pullman to call that game. They had them in a studio in Los Angeles in front of a green screen calling that game. So they didn't know that Cam wasn't going to play. And they blamed Utah for hiding the injury. And it forced Kyle Whittingham to come out and say, well, hey, Jackalope, if you had traveled your announcers and had a sideline reporter here, you'd have known that he wasn't going to play, that he pulled himself out. You'd have Stop known that be- me, bro. before kickoff, but they didn't, so they didn't. Mm. I'm telling it's Thursday night. It's Pullman on FS2, or FS1, excuse me, against the NFL. Nobody watched that game. Nobody watched that game. And it's really unfortunate because I think it hurts Utah. To have Utah on the Pac-12 network against Arizona hurts Utah. That said, though, still got Oregon. And you can still you can still do what you want and yeah. get to where you want to go. Yeah, it's just incredibly frustrating. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. It's incredibly frustrating, is what I would say. Brett Burnett says BYU Goodwin was uh, BYU Goodwin was a win that they needed. Relief, oh, relief for sure. Uh, Arlington Bear says Puka makes us say Gunner who? Well, and sadly, Gunner just can't get on the field because Gunner Romney is a guy that is. Is if you had Gunner, Chase, and Puka on the field together consistently, how much better is Isaac Rex? How much more lethal is Isaac Rex? How much? It, it, and furthermore, if you were able to run bunch sets where you ran four wide receiver sets with Puka, Gunner, Chase, and Cody Epps, how much better is Jaron Hall? Yeah. But you can't keep these guys healthy, and you're losing. You're, you you essentially haven't had Gunner all year. Even though he's played here and there, you haven't had him all year. Cody Epps is now out for the year. Isaac Rex, the interception off of his hands is is unfathomable. The disappointment, and I know he's a good dude, and everybody gets on me when I say this. He's been Isaac Rex has been an incredible disappointment this Best. year. He just has been. Yeah. And, and when you lose the 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 guy that quit on the team, whose name I will never say again, when you lose the guy that quit on the team after three weeks. Isaac Rex should have been far more of a of an option, but it's a guy like a Cosper. And it, it makes it even more mind-numbing that you're not giving the ball to Puka as much as humanly possible. And again, I will say, I'm telling you, Jaron, Jaron changed several of those plays to get Puka the football. Uh, M. Morris says, Pack is still overrated. No, it's not. It's actually underrated, in my opinion. Um, Salty Drunk says, okay, granted, BYU had a win. Does that mean the entire show is dedicated to them? Well, actually, the entire show hasn't been about BYU, and we're not behind schedule. 
We've so. talked we've talked about BYU for 29 minutes out of 90 minutes. And that's too much for you. Well, hey man, good to see you. Pack just isn't noticed. Play in time play in a time zone unfavorable. Could be. Could be. You need a better distribution deal. It's I mean, it's that simple. You're just not on enough people on their TVs enough, in my mind. You know, uh CJ Vance says, What's up, guy? Good morning, go Cougs. Absolutely. What's up, CJ? Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, trying to watch games in the state of Utah has been disappointing to say the least. The Jazz equal impossible to watch a game. U games are on the Pac-12, etc. Yeah. And now you find BYU and Boise on FS2. Who, until I flipped on YouTube TV in our studio, because we, you know, we're actually full-grown adults now. We yeah. actually have a TV in the studio. Yeah. Um, and we spent most of our day in here yesterday wiring this studio the right way and switching stuff out and... You know, flipping around YouTube TV, I didn't even I didn't even know FS2 was a real thing. Like, I've never watched FS2 before Saturday. God's honest truth. Never, never watched it. Not until, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. Anyway. Zayman says, it's time to admit it. I love the Jazz crappy uniforms. And I really love watching my team beat down your team, proudly wearing their crappy uniforms. When do we wear the highlighters again? Not soon enough. <laughs> Not soon enough. The biggest stories in sports on this show are brought to you by Quick Quack Car Wash. Um, as we talk Utah Jazz basketball, I think they are absolutely the biggest story in Utah sports right now. Even on a victory Monday where both Utah and BYU get wins, it's pretty remarkable that leading the biggest stories in sports are the Utah Jazz. Okay guys, I'm gonna tell you the secret to impressing my neighbors, the Wyatt co-workers, you name it. I just swing by Quick Quack. It seriously takes two minutes and people can't stop, won't stop checking me out. Getting a clean car is definitely my best life hack. Kids are messy, camping's dirty, but my truck sure isn't. Yeah, it's not dirty when you go to Quick Quack Car Wash. Uh, again, having Driven to, by the way, I didn't go up to, uh, I did not go up to uh, Evanston yesterday. We are not giving away lotto tickets. Everybody's asking us, did you guys see that the uh, Powerball jackpot this morning is $1.9 billion? The payout, cash payout, the cash option where you take a lump sum payment, I believe is $962 million. Damn. $962 million. <laughs> I mean, dude, I'm just telling you. It, 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 and again, if it if nobody wins it tonight, maybe we'll do it again. Because if it it's one point nine billion now, um, and I should double check this. But if it's I believe that's it, if it's one point nine billion now, you would figure that it would be two point three billion dollars, dude. Which would be unreal, unthinkable. That you could Has it ever that been you that could much get like... to the no. This is the largest jackpot ever. Yeah. It is the largest jackpot ever. The cash value is estimated to be $929 million. I'm for real. Dude. Nobody has won since August 3rd. So, Damn. yeah, man, like this is crazy time now. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know like where you... I mean, obviously every time, you know, the Powerball comes up and it's got a huge jackpot... The first question is like, oh, what would you do if you won? And it's like, dude, like, I, like, what wouldn't you do if you won at this point? Like, you know what, what I would know? do? I would do anything I want. Honest to goodness, I'd do anything I want. I, I, if I'm walking away, and let's say after cash, you're walking away with, I think it was $697 million Yeah. after taxes. If I'm walking away with $697 million, um, I, 
I'm buying some kind of franchise. I don't know what it is, but I'd probably be an owner and I would probably, I would probably invest most of it. I don't think I would dramatically change my life. Obviously, I would have more Jordans. I would have more rooms to fill with Jordans, <laughs> which happened over the weekend, by the way. Mrs. Monty said I can no longer buy Jordans because the room that we have all of our shoes in right. is now full. Damn. I don't have any, any more room to buy. But um, I, I think it wouldn't change my life dramatically like in a visible way um, because I live pretty well already, to be honest with you. So... Yeah. I would, like I said, I would have a, I would have a condo up in Park City. I know the exact unit I would buy. Uh, I would have a, I would have a home on the water in Huntington Beach, and that would really be it. I'd probably totally demo and remodel my townhouse. Um, I would probably have a Porsche Cayenne GTS. Um, but other than that, I, you wouldn't see much change with me. Yeah, still uh, do the I, show. I say other than that. Yeah, you know. But the fantasy part of it is is amazing. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, obviously, you know, the elephant in the room is that you have to drive to, you know, Timbuktu to get a ticket when you live in Utah. So, but I think it's worth your time to drive, you know? Yeah, I really wish that they would sell lotto in Utah. I w you know what? I, I think we all talk about, hey, don't tread on me. Don't tread on me. Unless it's the lotto or sports gambling. Then you can <laughs> tread all over me. <laughs> like, are you serious? Yeah. Would you? I mean, you can still have your guns. Can I have my sports betting, please? Is with that? Can I play the lotto, please? Yeah, I would. Come on. Know. Uh, let's see. Jeremy Bolton says, uh, if if I win the lotto, I'm buying all the TV rights to the Jazz, creating K Jazz again, and putting all Jazz games on there for free for the world to see. Nah, yeah. nah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, Monty, have you heard anything about San Diego State to the Pac-12? I think the biggest issue right now is that there are these these clauses that that ESPN's putting in contracts. And I think we've seen it across multiple sports now. It's in the SEC contract as it turns out. It's in this Big 12 agreement that's yet to be signed. If your average AAV per school is 10 bucks and you add a Power 5 school, they're going to give you 10 more dollars for that Power 5 school. The problem is San Diego State's not a power five school. Yeah. So it will cost a conference money to add San Diego State. And I, I think, you know, this thing with the Pac-12 is interesting because I do think, and this is a tomorrow topic, by the way. Yeah. Not a now topic, but I think it's a streaming league. I think the Pac-12 is, I think their biggest games are going to be in a stream. That I, I shouldn't say that. How should I phrase this? I think there's a chance the biggest games in the Pac-12 could be on a stream and not on a TV. I think that on an ESPN or – because remember, ESPN's got streaming rights for the SEC, and, and now they're about to have them for the Big 12. So those third-tier rights are no longer a thing. Mm -hmm. Those are those belong to ESPN. So what is the Pac-12 going to do? Because the Pac-12 – I think they're in a really precarious situation because I don't think you can make a deal the same way that the Big 12 made a deal with with the with ESPN. Because if ESPN makes the same deal with the Pac-12, the Pac-12 screwed. Cuz there's no way to go back out and go and get more money. And if if you make that deal with ESPN, can you go and make a deal with Amazon? It's a real question. It is a real real question. And I think the answer is yes, you can. But 
ESPN's not going to pay you to bring in San Diego State. So yeah. it's interesting. We'll uh, we'll keep working on that. We'll keep working on that for certain. But uh, the Jazz win last night. Again, they sweep the weekend series in Los Angeles. And now the question, the question has to be asked, you know, are the Utah Jazz a legit playoff contender in the West? And I think they absolutely are. And I think one of the more interesting parts about this Utah Jazz team is the way that they have become this contender in the West is with defense and ball movement. And it's, it, is, it is very interesting that this team, it's not uncommon for this team to take 43s a game. And I think if you look at this team on their best nights, you know, you're you're seeing ball movement that leads to an open look. And you how many big shots has Malik Beasley hit? And this is why we were telling you in the summer and in the offseason after that Rudy trade, Malik Beasley's been in demand and playoff teams are calling the Jazz on Malik Beasley. I do not think that he will be here the entire season. I, I continue to hear I was talking to a guy on Saturday night uh about the Jazz and Jazz trades. I continue to hear Jordan Clarkson and Malik Beasley are two guys that, that NBA teams are calling about. And I would not be surprised to see Malik Beasley and Jordan Clarkson in trade talks. I don't know that, that Ryan Smith has an appetite to trade Jordan Clarkson. I don't. Would he? Sure he would. Should he? He probably should. But will he? I don't know. If they, if they have an appetite to trade Jordan Clarkson, I'm not sure. I know that Jordan likes being here a heck of a lot. But I absolutely think when, the, when trade deadline time comes, I don't think there are very many untouchables on this roster. And every game that they win, they ratchet up the tension. They ratchet up the attention. They ratchet up the possibility that they're going to force the national TV marketplace to put them on national TV games. They're going to force teams to take a much harder look at them because the Utah Jazz are eight and three. And whether you want them to be or not, they're second in the West. They just swept the Lakers and the Clippers in Los Angeles. And now the Lakers are here tonight. And guess what? The Jazz are again favored over the Lakers at Vivint Arena tonight. In a game, by the way, that's a late game. It tips at 8-15. This is no longer a fluke. This is no longer, well, we're just waiting for them to come back to earth. I think this is who the Jazz are. And I think we need to stop waiting for this team to come back to earth a little bit. That doesn't mean that they're not going to lose 5-7. of seven, But I also think it means that they're a lot more well-equipped than we knew they were coming into this season. And I think they're absolutely a legit 7, 8, 9, 10 team in the West. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, depending on just, you know, depending on just how much winning you do before the trade deadline, you know, I think that's obviously going to affect how aggressive Danny Ainge looks to be at the deadline. I, like I, if you're, if you're top five in the, in the West at the deadline, are you really telling me Danny Ainge isn't going to, you know, look at things a little differently? Like, yeah, you're obviously still looking to sell. Like you're obviously still looking to move you know, Jordan Clarkson or, you know, obviously Malik Beasley, as you were just saying, but, but isn't there, doesn't it start to creep in like, Hey, like what if I did this or what if I did that? What if I could get this guy or that guy and add it to this mix? What, you know, what then would we be? Would that, would that catapult us to being a top, you know, a, a top six team in the West staying out of the play-in and being a, being a, a, a true playoff team? Like, that's what I think is fascinating about this team. Like, we can get into the minutia of, like, you know, Will Hardy and how he goes about it or Colin Sexton being a, a great six-man so far. We can get into all that, but I think in the big picture, the 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 really fascinating thing to me is, is yeah, where is this team at come February? Because if they're, if they're 
top five in February, that's going to be crazy times because that that makes Danny Ainge's life a little more difficult. If you're a play-in team in February, then the decision is obvious. And so to me, it's like it's like Dan, or, uh, Jordan Clarkson is clearly going to have value. Malik Beasley is going to have value. Laurie Markkinen already has value. So you're going to get the calls. My thing is just what path are you going to take? Are you going to, you know, go left or are you going to go right? And if you do go right and you do trade these guys and you do trade what you have now for draft capital, how do you turn that draft capital into something tangible? Because the more you win, the more your fan base is going to be like, hey, well, why did we trade these guys away? Right? Not that Danny Ainge probably cares about that, but I could just see that conversation building very quickly if this team continues to win at the rate that they're winning at. I think it makes his life dip more difficult. It does make his life more difficult, but I, I think the the it's always the same question. Is this a is this a, a championship caliber team? Yeah. And I think overwhelmingly right now the answer is no. I don't I don't know that anybody looks at this jazz team the way that they are constructed and says, yeah, this is a team that can win a championship because I just don't think that that's the case. I don't think they're built to be an NBA championship team. They're not the Golden State Warriors. They're not the Phoenix Suns. They're not the Denver Nuggets. They're not the Milwaukee Bucks. You, you just can't, you, to me, those teams are just more talented and each of those teams have one and two superstars on them. Like, I don't know how if you're, if you're Golden State, you're playing as poorly as you are, but I, would, I wouldn't expect that to continue. I look at the East. Let's say somehow the Jazz come out of the West and they win the Western Conference Finals. Are you better than Boston in a seven-game series? Are you better than Philly in a seven-game series? Maybe. Are you better than Milwaukee? Not the way the Bucs have been playing. I, I, I don't think you are. I mean, and again, I just look at the major contenders in the East I mean, every every contender in the East outside of, you know, I would think Boston and, and Milwaukee has a major flaw. You know, like you look at my Chicago Bulls, like why did you pay Zach Levine? <laughs> I will just go back and say again, because I don't know how many people pay attention to it, Zach Levine's missing games with a knee injury again. He has right knee swelling, I think is what they call it. We get it. And you look at the East, and the Chicago Bulls are five and six because they're missing the guy that they paid all that money. Right, But you look at the standings, look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Tell me right now that the Cleveland Cavaliers aren't a championship-caliber basketball team. That's every day. That's, that's arguably the best team in the NBA right now. Now, it's nine games, right? I think, aren't they 8-1? and one? Yeah, they're 8-1. and one. It's nine games, and they're going to have to go and prove that they can win the way they've been winning for 50 games. Yeah. But the way they play basketball... Darius Garland or not, they're winning games. Donnie's averaging 30 points a game, right? They, I mean, you're young, you're fast, you're big, you're really good defensively somehow. Yeah. But you look at Milwaukee, Milwaukee's given up 101 points a game. In, in the 2022-23 NBA season, them Wolves MFers are giving up 101 points a game. How are you going to score on them? Like, that's a really good defensive team. And by the way, Cleveland's at 103. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yet, you look at the Jazz, they're giving up 111. They're just not in that class of championship-caliber teams in the East. You know, like, that's the, that's the hard part. And I think now, again, and I think this is really important because I already see the comments about why we traded Don. You traded Don to get marketing and Sexton and draft picks. We need to stop going back to, hey, 
but if we hadn't traded Don, well, because if you if you hadn't traded Don, Laurie and, and Sexton wouldn't be here. And those two guys right now, Colin Sexton and Laurie Marketing, whether you want to embrace it or not, and I think most Jazz fans have embraced it with Laurie, but I'm telling you now, Colin Sexton's one of the most important guys on this team. What he's giving you off the bench, the speed, the pace, the quickness, his ability to get to the basket. Last night, that 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 one drive, that dribble drive was, I mean, that's the stuff that you you love watching. I'm for real. With him. Like yes. I, I just for for my money, but I look at the West. I don't know who the best team in the West is. And I think in in the you know, in the the framework of are the Jazz a championship contending team? Are they one of the you know, one of the teams in the West that you can sit here today on November 7th. Are the Utah Jazz one of the teams that we can sit here and say that's a team that can win the Western Conference Finals? No. Now, I don't think you can. If we're, if we're just being honest, no. The answer is no. Because I think Denver's better. I don't know what to make of Dallas at this point. Dallas feels like Luka is, he just sucks the love out of the game for everybody but himself. They are who we thought they were, as the saying goes, right? It's I think Luka so. and everybody else. I think they're going to score a lot, but they're going to give up a lot. And at some point, you have to be able to stop people. Yeah. And, and I don't think in the clutch they can. But if I look at the West right now, the teams I think could win the Western Conference Finals, obviously the Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker's a sex machine. It just is what it is. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies... The Denver Nuggets, and I still out of some just probably, I don't know, self-deprecating hate, think the LA Clippers can win the West. What are you, Musk? Kawhi's got to prove he can stay healthy. This knee apparently has been really frustrating for him. Yep. And I think we've seen this across this league. When you're coming off of a major knee procedure, it takes it takes time. But this is why the Colin Sexton thing is so enjoyable because he is, you know, he is obviously coming off of a knee and and yet he is still doing what he's doing. And and I do yeah. think that that what's interesting, you know, if you make kind of a crazy comparison, like you look at, at, at Collins process versus Kawhi's, like Collins a young guy that's just out there letting it rip. Like, hey, I don't have anything to lose. Like I'm on a new team. I'm coming off the bench as a six man. My team needs me. Like, let's just go and do this thing. And it's like Kawhi is notorious for being Mr. Load Management. Mr. I need to miss all these games, and I got to make sure I only play like 20 minutes a night. And, like, you know, that, that's who he's always been. So, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I, they're not a championship caliber team, very clearly. But I think it, it, it just plays on the emotional strings of fans when – you know, you're you're able to beat the Clippers or you're able to run the Lakers out of the building or you're able to make Luka's life, you know, really difficult. You're able to, like, the Memphis win, <clears throat> wins were, were crazy because you beat them without Ja, you beat them with Ja, and you're like, damn, like, how far can this team go? That's what I think people are having trouble with. But you have to be able to see that that's, that's a regular season game. That's not a seven-game series where a team and a head coach and an organization is going to pick you apart. That's well, what makes seven-game series so difficult, is they're going to say, okay, yeah, we know that Vando can't shoot the three at a really high clip, so we're going to sag off of him, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. Like, you're just catching teams on a nightly basis right now. So, again, just enjoy the ride. That's true. Like, enjoy the ride. Yeah, you just got to enjoy the ride. I just, yeah. I don't know. Jake Dane says, Clippers, that's a bad take, LOL. Well, if Kawhi's healthy, I think they're the best team in the West. Dude, but. Paul George was terrorizing the Jazz last night. Can we just get that out there? Like, like what he did in the first half was ridiculous. He, uh, Paul, I, 
I know jazz fans hate him, but they're a 500 team without their best player. And I, I listen, I understand that they're, they're beating teams like Houston and well, that's all well and good. But I, I look at that team and I just, again, I just, again, point to you that the Clippers did not have John Wall, right? The Clippers did not have Kawhi Leonard. If you put those two guys in the lineup full time, Right, but you look at Paul George last night, five of fourteen from three, and he still scores thirty-four points. He's just that guy. He's able to 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 get those to get those numbers, but yeah. they're good enough that they only lose by eight. Starting Markeith Morris, Ivica Zubats, Reggie Jackson, Paul George, and Terrence Mann, and playing you know John Wall off the bench last night, twenty-eight minutes. That's that he's coming off the bench for them. Yeah playing 28 minutes so you don't have him as a starter you have him off the bench and he gives you 12 points and six dimes and three rebounds like when they get all of that lined out and you put Kawhi there you put John Wall there you're not when when you're not starting Reggie Jackson and you you insert John Wall and now Reggie Jackson because I I think and I know we've debated this on the show yeah. Reggie Jackson's a great guard off the bench yeah, I just don't think he's a starting well, and point I, and guard. I think he's done yeoman's work starting for them. You know, like he's not a starting point guard. He's just not that guy right now. I think he, I think he's lost his mojo as a starter and with John Wall there, and it's an adjustment. He's a veteran guy that, let's be honest about about Reggie Jackson for the Clippers. Like he's been one of their most important players over the last three years. Yeah, I mean he has hit big shot after big shot for them, and now you're you're probably not that guy anymore on that team, right? So it. It's just I, I don't think we know who the Clippers are yet. And yeah, you're maybe I'm completely wrong. You 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 may be well right about that, Jake. I, I could be completely wrong, Jake Dane. I I don't know. Uh Joe Oliver said John Wall played last night as a off the bench though. Yeah. And granted he played twenty eight minutes. This is the Colin Sexton thing. You're playing starters minutes. Although twenty eight minutes really, if you're playing thirty minutes or more, you're playing starters minutes. But I think they're trying to be careful with him as well. Yeah. I know at some point you have to be who you are. You have to be who you are. It's just the West is a very interesting space right now. Because when you look at the best teams, I, I think most people would argue the Jazz and the Suns have been the two best teams in the West. Yeah, definitely gotten off to the best starts. Right, yeah. I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, the Lakers, the Rockets. I just don't think anyone has faith in the Lakers anymore. Like, everyone knows they got names, but... It, it, it's just troubling that they just can't like, it's not just Westbrook anymore, man. Like at some hey, point, he's actually playing really well yeah, for like, them. He did play well last night off and, the and, bench, off the bench. Yeah. And was it the, I can't remember. I think it was against the jazz where he scored 26 points. Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah. I mean, he played really well for them the other night. Yeah. And I think, you know, like last night in these last couple of games, the shot selection has been a lot better. He understands that, if he can just get to the basket, his odds of having good numbers go way up. If he stops relying on that jumper and just like, hey, I'm going to use my physicality and my vertical to get into bigs and get fouled and try to finish, like that's his game right now. And and I don't know what his future holds. I don't know. No like, idea. Like I don't know if he gets another shot with another team or if or if this is it or like. That's really difficult to see, but I do think what you could say about Russ is that dude is willing to do whatever his team asks. But he's not Kyrie. He's not like he's not. I would take Russ over Kyrie right now. I, I Kyrie is right just now. radioactive. Like yeah. I don't. I don't think you can have Kyrie on your team. No. Right. I mean, and it. It's now like I was hearing last night that, um, you know, they Joe Sy was 
was ready to hire Ime Udoka, and now he's gotten pressure not to do it. Huh, so they haven't why. hired Ime Udoka. <laughs> like, that situation seems problematic. Oh, by the way, they're better without Kyrie. Look how good Kevin Durant was the other night without Kyrie. Like, I don't know. It's interesting. But is Golden State a 3 in, in 7 team? Obviously not. Come on. I, they've played a lot of basketball. You want to talk about a trade that a team that needs a trade. The Golden State Warriors need a trade. But right now, I mean, the entire West is within six and a half games of each other. Yeah. Even the one in nine Houston Rockets at their worst record in the in the West is six and a half out. So it'll it'll just be interesting. If did I say John Wall didn't play last night? I see everybody commenting. You, you, if I did, I said, apologize. What you said was is no John Wall. I, I and everyone was like, oh well, John Wall played like. Now, what he was saying is that John Wall didn't start. He's he not, came off the bench. That's, yeah. You know. Even without Kawhi, they're not. My point is, even without Kawhi, they're not starting John Wall. Without Kawhi, without a full-time John Wall, right? Without a John Wall that's starting and leading the offense and doing what John Wall does. No Kawhi, no John Wall in that sense. They're still doing what they're doing. That's the point. Yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know who the best team in the West is right now. I don't I mean, think I don't. My opinion's always been the West is better than the East, and I don't think that we ever know who the best team in the West is until you're 20 or 30 games in. Like like this Cam yeah. Johnson thing. Like you you look at where the Warriors are at with some of the stuff they're dealing with. Like you you know who the names are. You know that Memphis is better than the Jazz, and they just didn't play better, right? Like you know that yeah. that they're yeah. a better team. I just think that you need more games under your belt. So that teams can establish themselves more. That's you know, and the other thing is too in the West, like you know, and I know we gotta, I know we gotta get to football fifty, but the other thing in the West is that that the teams evolve and find their footing. So like in the East, you know, you know their situation. Those teams are always gonna be what they're gonna be. Like you know that Boston's always gonna disappoint you in the NBA Finals. You know that 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 Brooklyn's always gonna have issues. You know that it's Giannis and everybody else. In the West, it's a totally different situation. So I would just tell you, give it some time in the West. Yeah, I, I would I would totally agree with that. By the way, um, anybody notice what Book's doing this year? 27 points, four rebounds, five dimes. Yeah. 35% from three. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck, my friends. Uh, 10 of the hour, every hour, football at 50. Uh, the biggest headlines in the National Football League and college football. Um, I think... By the way, presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off. Your purchase are $25 or more. I, what's a bigger story? Is it Tom Brady for 100,000 100, passing? I'm having trouble even saying it. Yeah. Tom Brady is thrown for 100,000 yards. And I think Drew Brees is number two at 85,000 yards. Not even close. He's thrown for 100,000 yards. That's incredible. Is there an argument that he's not the best professional athlete of all time? I don't think so. I, I mean, I think, you know, I would always say that baseball, it's its hardest to win championships in baseball, in my opinion, but football is definitely a close second. And I think as a quarterback, as time goes on, you see these new guys coming into the league, and it just makes you appreciate a fine wine like Tom Brady, a guy who continues to age obviously but continues to be able to get it done like like again crosses 100,000 yards last night but has 44 seconds and no timeouts against one of the best defenses in the league and somehow just drives right down the field no problem like what else needs to be said dude like the guy is just a living legend yeah I think that I mean I don't even know who the other I don't know who number two would be 
I think I, I would Who's probably say two? Michael. I would say Michael Jordan's probably number two. I think, you know, I, I think it depends yeah. how far you want to take the conversation. Like, But there's far, not even a second football player to have the discussion no, with. No, he, Tom not. Brady is by far the best professional football player ever. It's not close. Yeah. But is Muhammad Ali, is Michael Jordan, is... I don't. There's like no as baseball far as player. Winning, as far as winning, some of the fringe guys that you could bring into this conversation for conversation's sake, you could look at like a Michael Phelps is one of the best Olympians of all time. You could look at Lewis Hamilton, one of the best F1 drivers of all time. But like those those sports are on the fringe, like of the core four sports. I, like I think you have to say Tom is the best to ever do it like he just is and he's doing it in the modern era where they're faster more physical it's harder to win there's more parity than there's ever been now there's also more rules protecting the quarterback than there's ever been but i don't know i i think it's incredibly fascinating by the way i i don't want to get out of football at 50 uh presented by papa murphy's pizza without talking about the fact that brian kelly who i have mercilessly ripped on this show because he's a dick but the fact that Brian Kelly was was down seven points in overtime to Alabama. Alabama gets the kickoff in overtime, or gets the ball first in overtime, goes down, scores a touchdown. LSU gets the ball. Jaden Daniels, who I thought was sensational with his legs the other night, runs for a touchdown. Seven, you know, like so they they need the extra point to keep the game going. Instead, he goes for two to try and win the game. Yeah. LSU gets a touchdown pass from Jaden Daniels to a true freshman tight end. And they beat Alabama in overtime. You got to give him credit for that. I love the call when he did it. It's LSU. If you lose the game, you were expected to lose the game. If you win the game, and then he, the reason that I've changed a little bit on Brian Kelly, he did something that I've never ever see Brian Kelly do before. He cried after a win. I've never seen him do that. Brian Kelly is not the crying guy. He is not the guy that will cry for effect. Right. Brian Kelly is a hard ass, like just a an absolute tough guy. Yeah. That he beat Alabama at home in overtime going for two instead of one. A sensational win for LSU. Yeah. And I think a true watershed moment for the LSU program, and it is truly his arrival, not his fake Southern accent or whatever, but truly the moment that he arrived was that day that he ordered Papa Murphy's Pizza. Papa Murphy's presents How to Change the Way You Pizza. Step one, carefully knead dough. Step two, artfully spread sauce. Step three, add fresh mozzarella and assemble toppings. Step four, realize we already did all that for you. So all you have to do is bake it. For a limited time only, get the Hog Heaven Pizza with Canadian bacon, ground sausage, and crispy bacon. Papa Murphy's, change the way you pizza. All right, Papa Murphy's Pizza uh, presents football at 50, 10 of the hour, every hour on the Monty Show. Uh, use promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more at Papa Murphy's Pizza. As always, we are pre- presented by the Advocates, utahadvocates.com, live in our Maverick Center studios, the Monty Show. 
talking all of the biggest stories in Utah sports with as much voice as possible. Yes. Yes, thank you, uh, Paula, who listens to this show every day. Paula, I appreciate you so much. Um, her daughter um, is a gymnast up at um, the U, and she listens to the show all the time. I appreciate you. She's like, oh, hey, try some, try some tea. Hot tea will fix that voice. Thank you. I will, Mrs. Monty always makes me tea when my Are voice struggles. Are you a big struggles. tea guy? Um, I actually have found teas that I like. Okay. Uh, so when I was at the uh, Crap Hole radio station in Phoenix, I won a Tazo tea set in a gift exchange one Christmas. Okay. And Mrs. Monty started making me tea, and it's actually really good. All right. So I do enjoy a good hot tea. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll have to... Uh, Take Paula up on that. So, Paula, appreciate that. Uh, also, real quick here on the show, presented by the Advocates, utahadvocates.com. Um, anytime you're in a wreck, and again, whether you've been hurt at work, they absolutely handle workman's comp, uh, medical malpractice, car accidents. I know a lot of people that, you know, hey, I got hurt. I tripped and fell on a sidewalk, utahadvocates.com. I got hit by a car, utahadvocates.com. Hey, some guy rear-ended me, utahadvocates.com. Hey, I did X, Y, Z and got hurt. It's not my fault. UtahAdvocates.com. UtahAdvocates.com. Say it with me. UtahAdvocates.com. Uh, no consultation <laughs> fees. You do not reach into your pocket ever with the advocates. You don't, you don't pay anything up front. You do not pay the advocates unless and until they win your case. That's their guarantee to you. You get the best representation. They'll even help you defer your medical bills when you choose the advocates, utahadvocates.com. Um, real quick because, and I want to shout out the people who have sent me DMs on this. Uh, Josh, Jake, Tanner, and Steve all sent me DMs on the Dan Patrick show because apparently Dan Patrick said sources are telling him San Diego State will get an invite to the Pac-12 <coughs> by the end of the week. Hey, if that happens, that's great. My biggest question is, does that bring ESPN to the table to negotiate a larger TV contract? I don't know. I don't think it does. And my, my other question is, obviously, regionally, San Diego State, I think, has a lot of leverage because they're the only Southern California property available, right? I mean, they're the only ones. Really from, you know what, I guess Berkeley South, they're the, they're the only team south of Berkeley that's available. Yeah. And I think they are absolutely in, in San Diego. They're a property. They're a chip. No doubt about it. If they join the Pac-12, I don't think it changes things much for the Pac-12 because that's a team that doesn't win a whole lot of P5 games. And if they end up and listen, they have a beautiful new facility. They Snapdragon Stadium. They got a nice win this weekend. Like it, I get all of that. But my question is, does San Diego make the Pac-12 more money? Don't know that you can say that. I don't think you can say and that. By is the it, way, is like, it a great win and a good ad? Yes, it is. I don't think it makes them more money. I think, but I think the thing with this is the streaming portion. So the only way to me, you know, and again, I'm no industry expert, right? But we've covered this topic a lot. We've delved into this thing really deep. Like the only way to me that San Diego State makes any sense at all for the Pac-12 is if you're simply saying, hey, we're going to work something out with like Amazon, let's say, or a streaming partner who is going to give you extra money on top of what ESPN would do. Like, I don't know any other way, like because of this pro rata thing where 
ESPN's going to pay you equal share if you add P5 teams, but they're not really going to pay you if you don't add P5 teams. I don't understand how that's going to work out. And forgive me if I don't have a lot of faith in Georgie Poo to get the job done. I don't have a lot of faith. I don't have faith that the guy who, you know, is rolling out back of the envelope mathematics, you know, doesn't give, like, I don't have a lot of trust in that guy. And so that's why I say it's cool that San Diego State is is the only property in that part of the country. I can respect that you want to add that. I have no problem with that. But you're not, once again, in my opinion, getting away from the fact that you don't have great distribution. And even if you do get distribution done, you're not getting paid on par with the other conferences. Yeah. That's the issue. That's like, I don't know how you solve that right now. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you solve it either. And and again, I think the Pac twelve has value. I just think I don't I don't know how you how you, if you're ESPN, leverage the Pac twelve. Because with the NBC late night schedule that they have announced with USC and UCLA and you know this 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 Big Ten after dark program that NBC Sports is going to have, where they have the late game window that's going to include USC and UCLA, obviously. That's right, T. I, you're you're not going to draw more viewers than you're going to have with USC and UCLA, and the hard part is is that with diminished value. I still maintain the Pac-12's best available option is probably an ESPN Tier 1 and Amazon Tier 2. I don't know that Fox brings the the Pac-12 all that much value because, again, putting putting Utah on FS2 or putting Utah on, on FS1 and not sending announcers last Thursday damages the conference. It doesn't bring value, yeah. especially on a Thursday night going up against Thursday night football. I don't know that that brings a lot of value, but here's the other thing. When you make this new TV deal, are we going to continue to see Thursday night Pac-12 games? I would hope not. And if it's with Amazon, are you going to compete on Amazon with the Pac-12 versus the NFL on a Thursday night? I would hope Come not. On. Yeah. I would hope not. So how this deal ends up is going to be critical. I hope I'm wrong because obviously there's a ton of Pac-12 fans. And I think there's a lot of Pac-12 fans grasping at straws here. I just don't know. I don't know how this all shakes out. Yeah, and, and I, I really don't. The, the, the trust thing, I think, is the it, to me is the biggest deal. Like that. Like I, if we're, you know, if we said that San Diego State would never go to the Pac, and Dan Patrick was right. Like I don't care about any of that. It's frankly, yeah, it's good for us. Like it's good for us if if the Pac-12 is good. Like let's just be honest about it. Like I would love. For the conference to be doing like what the Big Ten is doing or even what the Big 12 is doing, but that's just not the case. And that's what I'm saying. Like you, you like your point about competing with the NFL or 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 this Fox thing, or like, why is it? You ever stop and think, why is it that it's always the Pac-12 who has these issues? Why is it that we don't hear about, you know, not sending announcers to Alabama LSU? Oh, that's right, because it's Alabama LSU and it's the SEC. And that would never be a possibility. Are you really telling me that TV networks are not spending money to travel their announcers? Come on. Like, that's incredible. Come on. I, I, I have a real hard time believing that. I, I just, it, and if you're not going to travel your announcer, use Bill Riley. Use like, I, I, you've, you've got to have somebody on the scene. You got to be in the building, it's, bro. It's remarkable. I, yeah. And again, it's this attitude that we talk about a lot. If you want to be a major market, act like a major market. Come on, man. If you want to be a P5 conference, you got to act like that. You've got to, and 
again, I just go back to Brett Yormark and how he's handled himself with the Big 12. And getting the thing that is so clear about the Big 12 is they're together. They're all in lockstep. The vision, they've all bought in. They are allowing him to operate. He's got this deal done. Yeah. The, the Pac-12 is the exact opposite. We're more worried about torpedoing the prosperity of UCLA that you let slip away because you weren't making any money than you are about building back better. That's the thing that's, that's and just... And don't forget what everyone said about Brett Yormark when he took over the job. What did everybody say? Well, nothing's happening in the Big 12. He's, he's not a good commissioner. It's been very quiet around those parts. And now what do you have? You have new deals. You're adding new teams. You're doing all this amazing stuff. Like you're, oh. you're, you're doing speeches in, in uh, what, Orlando at UCF, I believe it was, where you're, you're, you sound amazing and you're getting all these random questions and you're just handling them perfectly. Like, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, I just, I just, like, I would just love a day where we could jump on the show and say the Pac-12 is operating at this really high level and yeah. and you're not losing irreplaceable entities like SC and UCLA. Because really right now, it. is Oklahoma and Texas that irreplaceable? No. It doesn't feel like that. Well, and they're not talking about it. That's the thing. Like, you notice, like, what is the Pac-12 talking about? Well, how are we going to replace these two schools? No, how are we going to torpedo UCLA from leaving? Yeah, even worse, right? You know, like, like yeah. yeah. Tom Basilius says San Diego State and Boise State are the best options for the Pac-12. I don't know that you can definitively say that, I don't though. think Boise State's a, a P5 conference team. I don't, and I know they're getting all new facilities and totally understand it. That is not that the Boise market, and I love Boise. It is truly one of my favorite cities in the mountain. Great West. place, dude. It's not a P5 conference town. With all due respect, it's, I mean, it's got a ceiling on it. And by the way, I think being the king of the Mountain West is, being, is way better than being the bottom of the Pac 12. Wow. Honest to goodness, if you are, and that's why, like, I, I look at San Diego State and I ask myself, how much access do you really have to the Pac-12 championship game when you join that conference? Mm. Ask me in a decade, because that's how long it's going to take you to get there. No. It's going to take you forever to get there. And it, I, I, and the money's not going to be that great. If I am everybody in the Mountain West, I am just chilling, bro. I am doing what San Diego State and Boise are doing. I am building my facilities. I am re renovating my stadiums. Like San Diego State has done everything right to this point. Sit back and wait because what, and I know nobody talks about it with Craig Thompson retiring, a new commissioner coming in, a new TV deal on the way, what becomes of the Mountain West? Uh -oh. Because if you're the Mountain West and you can go and poach a Washington State and Oregon State, because I still maintain the Big Ten's not done and I think we're all waiting for the Big Ten's domino to fall. Yes. If, if those schools are available to you, why would you why would you change? Why would you leave? If you are San Diego State, are you better off at the bottom of the Pac-12? Where still distribution's a huge question. How are you if you are San Diego State? How are you going to join that conference and sign a grant to rights? Because to join the conference, and I, I want to make sure everybody knows this, to join a new conference, you have to sign the grant of rights blindly as you enter the conference. Mm. You don't get to wait and see. You sign your grant of rights when you agree to join the conference. I started having second thoughts. Because you, you don't have a vote. 
Not right off the get. You don't have a vote. You don't. So San Diego State is going to join the Pac-12, sign a blind grant of rights, and hope? No. That would be foolish. That's the one thing. If there's no TV deal announced or in place, or how on earth is San Diego State going to join the Pac-12? Um, that would be a huge risk. A huge risk. I just Great point. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ruff's official says, if TCU leaves the Big 12, the conference is dead in the water. Nobody's saying TCU's leaving the Big 12. And, um, yeah. uh, Paul Savinick says, hi from London. Go Jazz. No, go Chelsea. There you go. Exactly right. Exactly right. Go Chelsea. Tanner Plummer says, uh, speaking of Craig Thompson, did anyone see that he had a front row seat to witness Puka's amazing catch? Karma's a B. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, Josh Lovern says, Larry Scott to the Mountain West, LOL. Seriously. I mean, you know. Uh, ABC says, Pack dead. Pack will not survive, obviously. We'll see. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Show me the TV money, man. I just don't. My thing is, I, I've kind of come around to the idea that they'll probably be around in some form or fashion, but you can't tell me you're going to be around as a P5 conference and like, competing for national championships i just there's no way dude yep uh abc says monty this past college football saturday all i could hear was alabama roll tide and then in the clemson acc context north carolina <laughs> you're welcome you should blame me that's 100 percent my fault hey san diego state aztec how are you this morning sir uh, he says that San Diego State in the pack very likely doesn't add value now, but in seven years, when the next round of media negotiations come around, they will, in my opinion, more resources, better recruiting. If, as a San Diego State fan, do you really want them to join the Pac-12? We're playing in seven-year windows? Like, come on, well, man. Well, but if you're San Diego State, I just think San Diego State has a real Dude. chance, along with Boise and... If you can be the best of the best in the Mountain West, are you not in a better position than you would be in the Pac-12? Because there, there's no chance. When is San Diego State going to be better than Utah or Oregon? Can you beat them? Sure you can. But over the course of a season, can you win a conference championship? When does San Diego State ever go to the Rose Bowl? Probably in a decade. Do you know how hard? Look at the climb for Utah. Utah yeah. finally went to the Rose Bowl last year. It is such a difficult proposition. And now you've built Snapdragon. You have this palace of a football stadium. I just, why? And you're going you're gonna to go to a conference that doesn't even really pay that well? And I think, honest to goodness, I think you have a lot of value to the Big 12. Yeah. I think yeah. you have a lot of value to the ACC, to other, because I, I think the one thing nobody ever talks about is what the ACC is going to do. Because the ACC ain't just sitting around on their massive grant of rights deal with every one of their unis. They're not. They're obviously going to, I think the ACC is the, the sleeping giant in some of this. What's going to happen, Tonto? Does the Big Ten get a deal with Amazon? I think that changes the ballgame significantly. Mm -hmm. Because then they can add more teams without taking money out of their current pockets, right? So I think that's a big deal. But I think the ACC's a big part of this conversation. I just don't know why if you're San Diego State you would just jump right on the Pac-12 bandwagon. Why would you not look at being a travel partner for one of the Midwest or Eastern time zone conferences? Why would you not like try to try to, cause it is true that talent wise, it's very difficult. This is, this is the challenge BYU faces, right? Yes. Where you're heading into this power five conference, 
but you may not have the talent to withstand the beating you're going to take in the Big 12. So that same logic applies to San Diego State. So instead of taking taking just what's right in front of you and and just jumping right in the Pac-12, why would you not get on the phone with these other commissioners, your Mark and Kevin Warren and all these other guys, yeah. and say, hey, like, what value could we bring you? What do you need? What could we possibly do? Could we be a travel partner, Kevin Warren? Because I know you're adding Oregon and SC and UCLA and, like, you're adding all these West Coast schools. Why don't we? Why don't you add us to that mix? Even though we're not even close to being a Big Ten team, that needs to be said. But you kind of see what I'm getting at. Like, if you don't have the talent, why not try to put yourself in a in a valuable kind of power play position from a business standpoint? That's where I think San Diego State could potentially leverage themselves to try to climb into that forty million dollar a year number. Like, that would be nice for a school the size of San Diego State. That's why I think you shouldn't be joining the Pac-12. Yeah, we'll see. I I think it is. It's going to be very. I, I I think if you're if you are a college football team in this country and you are not looking at who you are and where you are and what your next potential growth opportunity is, you're crazy. Yeah. I I think that's why when you are Brett Yormark, you have to go around and 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 coddle the troops. You got to go and kiss and hug everybody's baby and tell them how great they are. <laughs> Excellent and strategy, sir. You got to go to UCF. You got to go to BYU, Houston, Cincy, Okie State, K-State, Kansas. Look what Kansas is doing. Mm -hmm. Look at the win by Kansas this weekend. You know, like you, you got to go to TCU. You got to go to all of your constituents and say, you're the best. You're awesome. You're the most important team in the co conference. Love you, buddy. All right, cool. Here's that grant to rights. Go ahead and sign it over. <laughs> like you got to go and you got to go and make that thing happen. Yeah, you do. And I think, I think that's what Brett Yormark has done. And he has not talked a whole lot, nor should he let you got to let your actions speak louder than your words. And I think it's something that. George Klyovkov has never embraced is you've got to let your actions speak louder than your words. And I think it's why the Pac-12 is where it is. And I think it's why the Big 12 is where it is. I, I think when you look at um, all the tea leaves, I, I think you're going to really struggle to get the kind of, of leverage you need to survive if you're the Pac-12. Because the process, again, I will remind you, is your conference... So the Pac-12 goes and negotiates a TV distribution deal mm -hmm. or a rights deal, whether that be with Amazon, ESPN, whoever. And then you go back to your individual members and you say, hey, here's our deal. Sign your grants of rights. And then that's, that's the way that the conference works. So when San Diego State comes into a conference, as it's been explained to me, they don't get a vote. They're just going to say, okay, we're joining the Pac-12 no matter what you guys do. Here's our grants of rights. Mm-hmm. And you sign that documentation that says you have the right to distribute our games on national television. If I'm San Diego State, I'm waiting for that number. I'm waiting for that number. And the, hey, maybe George Klyovkov has that deal done and it just hasn't leaked out. But the Pac-12 is the Pac-12 leaks like a sieve. I mean, there's yeah. they're, they've got more holes in Swiss cheese over there, dude. Like I, I would be really yeah. surprised by that. You know, like I, 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 I think it's interesting. You just, the, the thing that needs to be said is San Diego State. You can't afford to make some catastrophic mistake. Like, not that you're a fragile program, but you're in a really like good spot, all things considered, right now. So, yeah. so to to put yourself in a position where you sign, like, because remember the grants of rights thing. Most of the time, that's like a decade long proposition. You're not signing for a year and then we'll reevaluate Well, and now year. you're looking at five to seven year deals. You're looking at yeah. five year deals. You're because if if you are 
Think about Utah, who's excelled at a very high level in a really mediocre conference. Are you signing away your rights for 10 years? No way. That's, that's foolish. And the way that the money has changed in television, you don't want a 10-year deal. You, a five-year deal is fine with an early out clause, with pro rata agreements that say, hey, if we add another P5 school, you guys will pay us for that P5 school on average, the way you're paying for all of our other members. Absolutely. All right, great. And then, you know, like the other thing about San Diego State is they're making so little money in the mountain that I think they're probably willing to take less because it'll be a small bump in the, in the Pac-12. So, yeah, anyway. Uh, Kay Nuren says the Big 12 is going for the, the Zags, Washington, Washington State, Oregon, and Oregon State. Well, I think Gonzaga is a very interesting Gonzaga. piece of this. And by the way, I got the <laughs> high-level explanation that it is Gonzaga. Gonzaga. I got like 10 people who are like, hey, man, I paid for my degree from Gonzaga, and I'd appreciate it if you'd pronounce it the right way. That's right, T. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Uh, you look at the tea leaves like, you look at the tea leaves, I look at grandma, grandma changing. Okay, that's cool. Uh, Eric and Riley says, Zags to the Big 12 for basketball and Oregon State only for football. Yeah, I doubt. There's, those only deals are very, yeah, are usually not very productive, is, is what I would say. Uh, BB says, does the PAC mean that the Jazz team, does PAC mean what this jazz team does to other teams' offenses. Uh, okay. Uh, Boyd Lake says Gonzaga. It's not Gonzaga. It's not Gonzaga. It's actually the proper pronunciation is Gonzaga. In yeah, you know. Uh, this could be true if athletics was the sole consideration for realignment, but things like billions of dollars of uh, R1 funding moves the needle too. If San Diego State was invited, they would jump at the opportunity, probably. Probably, probably, yeah. yeah, could be, um, you know, NY Monty fan says, Monty, you say Gonzaga, however you want. Exactly. <laughs> um, Gein Sog a Gonzaga. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you, I, you would not believe the mail we get on this show about things we say. People were pissed. Like, it is crazy. Like, this goes back to Boyan Bagsnachevich. Mm-hmm. Like, we had the Google pronunciation of Boyan Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. Bojan. Yeah, and we used to have fun with it. Boyan Bogdanovich. And people got so... Are you guys... Look, listen, I'm just trying to get some clarity here. Are you guys just being dicks about this? Bojan Bogdanovich. Like, what's the story here, man? You know it's Bogdanovich. Yeah, I know. Then why won't you say it the right way? Bojan. It's, it's not as fun. Well, that means you're a dick. Yeah, I know. I'm aware. Thanks. Like... <laughs> not as fun it's not as enjoyable to say gonzaga it's not as enjoyable to it causes controversy you know what i'm saying like just settle down relax just having fun with it stop taking yourself so seriously uh let's see jerem patterson good morning to you sir jets contenders or pretenders well zaki poo actually question. played Jackie Poo, Zachie Poo actually played a very good game yesterday <laughs> for like one of the first times and, and, and i'm not even kidding one of the first times that Zachy Poo was a reason to celebrate. Yes, yes, yes. And he still only threw for 154 yards. <laughs> but I thought the thing that he did is he took care of the football against one of the best defenses in football. Yeah. And he delivered the football when he needed to. 
and he put them in position to win the game. And, you know, this is the Aaron Rodgers conversation. Aaron Rodgers is throwing interceptions because he's throwing bad passes. I mean, the, the throwback that they tried to do to David Bakhtiari yesterday was wildly underthrown, and yet he was all pissed at Bakhtiari. Where is A.A. Ron right now? You underthrew that ball, and you threw it so softly that Aiden Hutchinson turned around and like watched it come to him. Throw the ball to the back pylon, and Bakhtiari catches the touchdown. Oh, you threw it short? Oh, it's intercepted. Like the, the Aaron Rodgers interceptions, a lot of them are on him. Tom Brady's in a different class because I think you're watching Miller last night let a ball hit him in the end zone to take the lead. The ball hit him in the face mask, you're, and he drops it. You're watching Mike Evans drop balls he always catches. Like, it's, a, it's an epidemic. Their <laughs> touchdown to the tight end last night was the first touchdown to the tight end all season long in Tampa. Dude. He does not trust his receivers. I look at a guy like Zachy Poo. Zach Wilson's trying to find his way in the NFL. And I thought beating a team like the, the, the Bills was a huge win for them. And that they're legitimately 6-3 and three in, a, in a problem week in and week out tells you that Robert Salah is doing a great job building that football team. Yes. And you credit where credit's due. You've got to give credit to Zach Wilson. Yep. Because he's earned it. And he played well enough. You know, like it just is. And I also think that, you know, guys like, you know, Sauce Gardner and like that defense and like, I, I, I agree. The best way to say it is, is Sauce is doing his job and, I, and, and he's doing it at a high level. And I think that, that when the Jets are good, it's better for the NFL. Like, let's be honest. Like, and the problem is the Jets aren't good uh, most of the time. So when they are really good, like when it was, you know, when it was Rex and Rebus Island and all that nonsense, like that was entertaining. That was good for yeah. the league. So it would be great if they could, you know, if you could get, you know, two more wins this year, three more wins, that'd be amazing. Yeah, there's some guys in the name mispronunciation Hall of Fame being shouted out. <laughs> Boyd Lake says, two I tagged your mama. <laughs> You're not wrong about that. Eric and Raleigh says, uh, Bojan Baskinovich. Baskinovich. Okay. Uh, Eskivert it says, uh, Bob Job Bobovich. <laughs> Bojan Bagsnachevich is still my favorite one. Yes. You know. Uh, Fat Jesus says, that's what makes the Mountie show fun. Exactly. Bojan. Exactly. That's what makes the Mountie show fun. Bojan Bogdanovich. You know, it is what it is. NY Monty fan says, Saudi Stooge was another great shop. This show is 100% gold. Yeah. And my Monty fan also says shout out to Mo Bamba. Jake used to play drops. He doesn't anymore. Bro, I'm working so, on it. All right. So, you know, bro. Um, Boyd Lake says, guys, guys, guys is hilarious. Yeah. Do you guys have favorite drops? Obviously, this shout is out to Mo Bamba. You know, there it is. Shout out. Where's my guy? Big dog in O-Town. Shout out to Mo Bamba. Big dog O-Town. He's one of those. Yeah. Uh, Jake Dane says, I know I'm late on this, but do you guys think Will Hardy has a lot or a little to do with the jazz success? Uh, yeah, we should get back to Utah Jazz basketball because the biggest stories in sports are presented, as always, uh, by our good friends at Quick Quack Car Wash. Make sure you uh, get to Quick Quack Car Wash. Went to the newest location in South Jordan at the so district good. again this weekend. So good. Beautiful, brand new facility. They completely ripped all the equipment out of there, rebuilt the tunnel. And you know the thing I really like about Quick Quack Car Wash? When you walk, when you drive up to pay, you don't stick your card in a machine that you can barely reach and print a ticket. You actually talk to somebody. Hey guys. They come out to your car, you give them your card, you, they scan your wash pass. If you're smart enough to have a wash pass, 
And then you go into the tunnel and they're smiling. It's fast. Again, over the weekend, in and out of there, five minutes. I love that. Even when there's a line, you're in and out at Quick Quack in five minutes because it's not people you know, trying to play with some machine. There's a guy who's actually moving you through the line and being friendly and giving you a free dashboard wipe. Like That really is what it is too, huh? Yeah. That's what takes so long at car washes, the people trying to figure out how to work the machine. Yes. That's like the biggest, the biggest thing with Quick Quack is they... Because the person's standing there and they're friendly, everyone just moves right along. And by the way, your car smells good. Yep. Um, everybody voting for their favorite drop. Uh, Tanner says, I love the Donnie drops. You know. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, yeah. it is. Right. Uh, Riley O'Brien says, it's the Kawhi laugh. See, I think it is. <laughs> like, yep. Uh, Fat Jesus says, think that's HIPAA. Yeah, that's Dak Prescott. Oh, dude, you know, that's such an that's obscure Hippa. one. I haven't played that one in a long time. You, you used to play drops. We don't play drops on this show anymore. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, uh, Tanner Plummer says, I love the one uh, from uh, Entourage where he says, get the f- oh, out. Damn. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. That's a good one. You know, as a kid, my wife would not let me watch Entourage if Jake was in the room. Really? She made me turn off Entourage. Why? TV was controversial in this our house. kind of board. When we lived in LA, we um, shared a house with my sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. And so like they would watch, there was a show called Glee. No, That God. was just a cesspool of death and damage to children's minds. Right. But that was okay to watch in our house. If I wanted to watch Entourage, oh, come on. You can't, oh, you can't have that show on in here. You're going to, this terrible example is set for a young man. Right, right. And Glee's not. I really don't care if you think it's us. And, and Glee is not. Right. Entourage is a great show. Yeah. A great show. Fat Jesus says, in case you care, I'm listening to the show on a cruise to Cabo. Are you really? Wow. My guy. Okay. Let's go. Get the fuck out. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly. I was gonna go to I was gonna go to Mammoth this coming weekend, but you know, now I can't. Dude, I want to. Thanks to like, Jake. I want to. Um, Let's go. Nope. Jeremy's Why? Jeremy Severe says, I'm a man is my favorite drop. Do you know who that drop is? Do you know who that I'm drop a man. is? That's the mullet from Okie State. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, Lisa Wilson. No, no, no. Boyd Lake says, oh. Lisa Wilson. Oh, no, yes. No, no. That's actually Lisa's friend. Lisa says, No, yeah. no, no. Lisa goes, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's Lisa Wilson. Yes, yes, yes. And her friend, who's in the video with her, all of a sudden it dawns on her, wait, they think I'm the friend that Zacky Poo smashed? No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, Lisa Wilson, yes, 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 is even better. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody loves the drops, dude. Yeah. So uh, Joe Parker says, what happened to the rack attack? Oh, we have the rack attack in here the somewhere. The rack attack is in there. That's, uh, our, that's our guy, Mike James. Where is that? Throwing it off the backboard to uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, K-Dizzle. Yeah, to K-Dizzle, Eye and Eagle. bro. Yeah. Uh, on the call right there. That's so good. Yeah. I miss when Brooklyn was good. Because I actually like the Nets when they're good. You know. Yeah, but like, there's so much drama, you know, like last night I'm like trying to like, I'm getting sound together and I'm like cutting all this BYU stuff. I'm like, damn, dude, do I really have to cut Kevin Durant mumbling at his press conference in his beanie? Like, do I really have well, to do that? You, the rack attack! Yeah, there it is. There's the rack attack. What you did. I ain't here to judge nobody or talk down on nobody from how they feel or use anything. I just didn't like anything that went on. I, I felt like it was all unnecessary. I felt like we could have just kept playing basketball and kept quiet as an organization. Um, you know, I, I just don't like none of them. Do you feel the suspension is unfair? 
that's I, I believe and trust in the organization and do what's right. Uh, it's an unfortunate situation for people that are impacted by this situation. I mean, it just sucks all around for everybody. And uh, hopefully we can move past it. That's hysterical. Razzle dazzle! That's hysterical, dude. Uh, I don't... Uh, I, 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 yeah. That's what he did. And like, we he can, just stand there fumbling. We can introduce that topic real quick. I mean, the, the did you guys hear this over the weekend that the uh, Brooklyn Nets... And, dude, look, I get it. He's he's a crap bag. Kyrie is... Kyrie's a crap bag. Yeah. But when you look at what they are asking him to do, mm-hmm. they gave him a list of six... I mean, is it is it un, uncouth to call it a list of demands that he apologize and condemn the movie? Yeah, a five hundred thousand dollar donation to anti hate causes that he go through sensitivity training, anti Semitic training, meet with the anti defamation league and Jewish leaders. Meet with Joe Sy to demonstrate his understanding. Why don't you just cut him? Yeah, next question. I don't understand this. Cut him for cause. Go to the league and have a dispute over his salary. Yeah. I don't understand what the Nets are doing here. And this, again, comes back to hiring Ime Yudoka and the backlash around hiring Ime Yudoka, who now you cannot hire because the league essentially lashed back at you, you know, owners, agents, players, it's everybody. It's not the best situation, and we all know that. Yeah, everybody reached out to Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, and was like, dude, you can't do this. And the Nets, as we reported last week, have already had internal discussions about cutting Kyrie. Mm-hmm. If I'm Kyrie Irving, I'm trying to find my way out of Brooklyn. And I think... I could be wrong. I think that's going to be the risk that you're ending your career. Yes. But I I don't believe that he's going to fulfill these requests. No. I don't. No. I, I I just don't see it. No, and and I think it would be it would be right on brand for who he is as a dude and what he's done so far. Like it, would would anybody anybody be surprised if tomorrow we woke up to the news on Sports Center that Kyrie Irving Kyrie Irving has retired? Would anybody be surprised by that? I wouldn't be surprised by that. I would not. I wouldn't be surprised if the guy wanted to be a martyr. I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted to, you know, play to all the people who think that, you know, the media has been unfair to Kyrie or he's apologized dude, a bunch. Come on, dude. It's $37 million this year. Yeah, well. It's 37 And if you think about, if you think about, how much money he's lost already through um, not being able to play games. I mean, he's losing a lot of money, dude. He's, he's got to be approaching. Point, he's losing yeah. $2.2 million just on this five-game suspension. The you know, guy makes $457,000 a game. Yeah. You can't tell me that's – he's not walking away from that. He lives an expensive lifestyle. You cannot tell me that he's willing to walk away from that money this year. If you're Kyrie, I think you're in a really untenable position. You are no better than Antonio Brown at this point. You're just, I mean, you're you're cra- the crazy guy. Yeah. That's caused all these problems. 
And whether it was all the vaccination issues, which I really don't blame him for. If you didn't want to get vaxxed, hey, I totally get that. They're not going to pay you and you're not going to play. And that was the issue, right? It wasn't that you didn't want to get vaxxed. It's that you made an issue out of it. You said that you were being marginalized or that you were being like victimized. Well, and and the bigger issue was he went to Josiah and lied. Yeah. Josiah, when they had training camp in Southern California in La Jolla, had a conversation with Kyrie Irving and said, hey, are you going to get vaccinated? And Kyrie said, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I've been immunized. And then he never did it. And he, he lied to the owner of the team. Yet the owner of the team continues to give him this leash. Yeah. And I don't know why. Now you have him in a, in a position where he's, he's caught up in this anti-Semitic rhetoric. You have every reason to cut him, every mechanism to cut him, every, just, Let's go. every justification to cut him. Mm-hmm. And now you're not doing that. And I, I just... You're making so many more problems than need to be made here. You know, like I just, I understand that everybody's got a right to their opinion. They do. In our culture, there's no room for this. There's no room for anti-Semitism. There is no room. in America. There's no room for racism. There's no room for all lives matter. There's no room for a lack like, and, and this is where it comes down to. There's no room for a lack of empathy, understanding, and caring for your fellow human being. And I don't care if you're black, white, Asian, Latino, you deserve empathy and love and respect. I'm gonna say this again. Until you don't, until you act in a way where you don't deserve love, empathy, and respect. And Kyrie Irving, I think, has acted in a way where he no longer deserves the love and respect of his owner. Because he's, he's lied to him and betrayed him constantly. Yeah. At every turn, he's lied and betrayed his owner. The guy who has routinely fought for him and, by the way, signs his paycheck. And to do it in a way where it's hateful, racism, bigotry, when you're talking about the pain and suffering that we go through on a daily basis in this country, I just don't know how you tolerate that if you're Joe Psy. I, I don't understand it. Yet he does, and he has, and he continues to, and it just, it makes me crazy. You know, like it is, it is so crazy to me that this guy's making $37 million. And he can't, he can't say, no, I don't agree with this stuff. Like he fights the media once, he fights the media twice then releases a statement on Instagram, finally saying, I should have explained what I agree with and don't agree with, but not a wholesale lock, stock, and barrel apology. And condemning. I I don't know what you do with this because the hard part is if you're Kyrie and you truly believe in the things that you've tweeted, how do you then flip and sell out and apologize wholeheartedly? It's really despicable. How do you do that? I don't know. Because Kyrie seems like a guy who stands on his principles as he should. But now we know what those principles are. Those principles are filled with, with bigotry and hate. It's just this terrible situation. It's never going to go away. It's never going to go away. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the situation we find ourselves in. Yeah, man. You know, and it, it, it's why, like, Grant Napier, the former play-by-play man of the Sacramento Kings, 
was asked by DeMarcus Cousins, Boogie Cousins, you know, hey, Grant, do black lives matter? And Grant said all lives matter. And he got fired for that, as he should have. This is black lives matter versus all lives matter. LGBTQ, like all of these issues, the, 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 the violence that Asian Americans have faced, all of these issues, you know, they find we find them in our faces every single day. And this is the reason I always say there's a right and a wrong answer to every question. Mm -hmm. There is a right and a wrong answer. And when somebody says, hey, do all lives matter? The answer is not, well, yeah, all lives matter. Bonnie, please. No, actually, when black lives matter and, and when we and still are, but when it was in focus, violence against black men in specific black men from law enforcement, black lives matter. Right now, black men, and in that moment in time when he got fired, black men's lives were in danger. And we needed to focus on that issue, black lives matter, right? And when you look at the, the anti-Asian rhetoric around the globe and the violence, specifically on the streets of New York that we've been seeing where- The coronavirus. Yeah, where they're being blamed and it's, it's, you know, it's the Asians and the, the coronavirus and all of this nasty anti-Asian hate. Mm -hmm. And you can't understand that, like the videos that are out there on the internet of Asian people being targeted with violent crime, where you have men just walking up to this Asian, this elderly Asian woman on the street in New York and just punching her in the face and then just walking away like nothing happened. Like we have to spend some time you know, giving attention to violence against Asian Americans. We have to do that. We have to spend time on violence against black men from law enforcement. We Fast. have to do that. We have to spend time on immigration. We have to spend time on healthcare. We have to spend time on mental health. We have to spend time on issues specifically to women and abortion. We have to spend time specifically on the LGBT community and the issues that they face. We have to spend time on that. And when you get somebody like Kyrie Irving that is stuck in the middle of this conversation and you're paying him $37 million a year and he won't, after repeated opportunities, come off of that position, it's clearly time to part company with him. Yeah. And I just don't understand why Joe Sy won't do that. Yeah. You know, like, I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, I think it, it's a great question, man. You know, like, it, it's... And I also think it's a, obviously a... It's both a great question, but also a very difficult situation. And, and, I, and, I, and I often wonder, hey, if this was, you know, this was the Knicks or the Bulls, or the Lakers, oh. or like, you know, a staple franchise in the league, with all due respect to the Nets, you're not a staple franchise. Like, you're not one of those. If this was one of those, like... Look at how Ime Udoka. Look at Ime Udoka. Yeah, great. Perfect example. Suspended for an, an, the rest of the year. An entire season. And what did we know that Ime Yudoka did? He sexually acted out. He had a, a you know an extramarital affair with a, a a woman, a female employee that reported to him, suspended for a year. Did anybody really question that? No, we all wanted to know what he did. We all wanted to know what he did. 
Like the 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 action of the person are are what the conversation is what happened. But do you see how Boston handled that though? That situation, like they did a press conference, like they got in front of the media. And I know I've been riding this train for a while, but I just think it's really important to put your face in front of the media and to speak it to the media. Like a statement can only go so far. Like like again on Friday we discussed. Did Kyrie Irving actually write that statement? where he apologized and, and all that good stuff. Because I don't necessarily believe he did. I don't have to wonder if the owner of the Celtics is the one who laid down the law because he sat in front of us and said, hey, dude, here's what it is, right? That's what I want Joe Psy to do. And hey, if I disagree with what he's doing, okay, that's one thing, right? Like that's kind of the essence of sports talk. We disagree on things. But at least now I can respect the fact that you sat in front of everybody and were like, hey, this is how we're handling it. This is where we come down on Kyrie. Like, at least then, I feel like yes. that makes it a little better. Yeah. Uh, Tanner Plummer. Wow, do I really have to explain this to you, Tanner? I'm confused. What's wrong with saying all lives matter? Once again, I'm not looking for a fight. I just want to hear your thoughts on this. I, I, I don't understand why this is difficult. I, I, I truly don't. And this is, this, is, this is where we are in this country. When you look at the Black Lives Matter movement, for all of the corruption and the issues, whatever you want to say about it, where the birth of that movement started and why Black Lives Matter became a thing and why the question of do all lives matter and do black lives matter and do white lives, the simple... And in that space and time, we had an inordinate amount of violence being committed against, in particular, black men on the streets of this country. And a lot of it was at the hands of law enforcement. So in that particular moment in time, it was important to focus on, on black lives and the violence that those black men were facing. Does that mean that the lives of white people don't matter? No, that's not at all what it means. It doesn't mean that nobody else matters. It doesn't mean in actual, you know, well, like quite literally not all lives matter. Like your life doesn't matter, but this, come on, knock it off. The truth of the matter is that in that particular moment in time, we needed to focus on the violence that was being perpetrated against black men on the streets of America. Thanks. That's what that conversation was about. And the issue that was so much of a, of a gaslight in this country was that, that there was a large swath of our community that refused to acknowledge that there was an issue there. So that's where we get divided. The bottom line is, in, in the, the terms of this show, when you look at somebody like Kyrie Irving, and my biggest issue with LeBron always has been, and Jordan and Tiger Woods as well, when you have issues that are so pointedly facing black Americans, those guys are always at the back of the march. LeBron James, during the, the peak of the Black Lives Matter movement and the marches in Los Angeles that saw violence and looting and just awful acts being perpetrated, was LeBron at the front of the march, leading people? Was LeBron on stage talking to people and, and leading communities and growing conversations? 
No, he was not. Where was he? He was all the way at the back on a bike wearing a mask being anonymous. LeBron James, the guy who has more sway in our community than the president of the United States, the most powerful man in the world, is on a bicycle wearing a mask at the back of the line by his choice. Y'all feel me? That's my issue with it. And guys like Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods who don't say anything and you don't see them in parades or marches or giving speeches because they don't say anything. I just don't think that's an option. When you have the platform that guys like LeBron, Michael, and Tiger have, they need to speak out. You have a responsibility. Yeah, you need to speak out. I mean, it just is. Well, in 801 West Valley, that's exactly right. Free speech, but not free from consequences. Yeah, and that's life. That's the the reality. I mean, that's every day. Dude, I've been doing talk radio for my entire adult life. Trust me when I say free speech does not exist. You can say whatever you want. But there are consequences for your words. Yeah. There are consequences. And Kyrie is living that right now. There are consequences for your word. And Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, you're living the consequences of your words and your actions. And this is what we were talking about last week about racism. Yeah. The worst racists are the ones who are hiding. Because in my opinion, I want to know if you're a racist because I don't want to associate with you. So I wish that all racists would just, you know, free, speak freely, my friends. So that we don't have to be friends anymore. And that's the thing with Kyrie. You know, like, you you don't want to take responsibility for where all this started. Like, let me put it this way. You know, let's put the list that the Nets gave him to do aside for one moment. If Kyrie today were to do an, an, an independent from the Nets press conference, if Kyrie just said, hey, media, show up here, I'm going to do a presser. And he would just say, hey, man, you know what? I made a mistake, and that's why we're all sitting here. Like, if, if I wish athletes were more blunt about it, just yes. come out and say, hey, I made a mistake here. This is why we're sitting here. I should not have retweeted that documentary for obvious reasons, and I need to definitively say that I am not anti-Semitic, that I am not someone who hates on people because they're Jewish, right? Like, I need to verbalize that. That's what's amazing to me. Like Kevin Durant, right? My guy, KD, been a fan since Texas. One of my favorite athletes. I don't love how he's handling this either. It needs to be said. Dude did a press conference, then he had to go on Twitter and correct or like, or clarify, I believe was the word he used, his stance on all of this. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not trying to make it out that the media is easy to deal with. But sometimes I feel like these guys get too hung up or too mixed up in trying to be politically correct when if they would just say, no, I, I don't support that documentary and I and it was a mistake for me to tweet that. That was a mistake. We wouldn't be here and you would be at shoot around instead of worrying about your attorney writing some, you know, some check for $500,000. Like that's how easy we, it is. This was totally avoidable. Yeah, and that's a shame. And we talk about this all the time offline between the two of us. Like, the things we don't tweet because it's just not worth it. Yeah. It's it, it's not worth the headache. It's not worth the fight. And that's why we so rarely have conversations about politics on this show. Because don't get me wrong, like tomorrow's election day and one of the non-sports stories of the day today is going to be, you know, voting. But 
I think when you look at the consequences of your, your actions and your words, your words have far more consequences than your actions outside of murder and whatever. And we're not even Kyrie Irving. No. We're not Kevin Durant. At all. At all. <laughs> like, but it, it, to me, you cannot, you cannot be silent when you have a platform. You know, like love him or hate him, Donald Trump can never be silent again. There is a throng of humanity that follows that man. There is a throng of humanity that follows LeBron James that follows Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Like these guys, we need them out in front. The problem is some guys just aren't programmed that way. You know, and, and on Bonnie, this show, please. and on this show, I tell you, we don't shy away from things, but I know what not to talk about. I know what not to talk about. I, it, because the conversations don't bear fruit. And a lot of days, what I, what I like to say on the show is we try to be your escape. We try to be where you come to to have a laugh because your job sucks or where you come to to have a laugh because your marriage sucks or <laughs> you had a fight with your wife or you know what I mean? Like just have a laugh. Yeah. Laugh with us. Talk about your favorite drop on the show, the jazz winning, a victory Monday. Like, but I think it's also our responsibility at times like with this Kyrie River thing to have like real conversations <clears throat> because I think I think you need a place to voice your opinion because you can't talk about Black Lives Matter in a lot of workplaces. You can't talk about politics with your friends and family because it never ends well. Mm -hmm. So there are very select few conversations. You would be wise to never bring up politics or yeah. anything in the workplace. Yeah, you know. Uh, Brett Burnett says, uh, disagree, Jake. You failed to see he was set up. Nothing he says or does will solve the problem. It's a made-up media deal. Well, I think certain, not certain, there's a significant number of people in the media who have an agenda. I mean, oh my God, where do we live? We live in Salt Lake City. Who controls the media in this town? The Church, uh, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They own the largest newspaper. They own the largest radio and television stations. Um, they by and by control the messaging politically and otherwise they own the most real estate. They, I mean, the church controls this town. Who are we kidding? Right? Yeah. There is never a separation of church and state there. The media, the media has an agenda. You can't watch MSNBC who I've been watching a lot more lately or CNN or Fox or they all have agendas. They're all trying to push you left or right. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to find media that doesn't. And that's the same thing in sports. When you look at ESPN largely has a message. Having worked there, trust me, you are, you are formatic. You are very robotic. There are very few shows that have real personality to them. Why is that? Because it's safe. Yep. It's safe. And so the Stephen A. Smiths of the world are very confined. Why is Colin Cowherd not at... ESPN anymore. Well, because he wasn't safe. So now he's at Fox. And whatever you think of him, they, re they replaced Colin Cowherd with a robot, right? But you look at all of the media and you look at ESPN. ESPN, a lot of people will tell you has lost money in viewers because they got political. So what did they do? They cut out all their politicians, right? I mean, they, they just did. They cut out the Jamil Hills of the world. Because it's a business. It dude. is a business. 
And in, in just like the church is a business, whether you're LDS, Catholic, you know, Muslim, whatever, it's a business, right? The media has an agenda. Asking Kyrie Irving about that tweet was not agenda-driven. When you're Kyrie Irving and you're going to tweet about something like that, and I just said this five minutes ago, when you tweet about something like that, should the media not ask Kyrie about that? When he's tweeting about Alex Jones, should people not ask him about that? And if you're Kyrie Irving, when you tweet about that, do you just tweet with reckless abandon? Do you not learn your lesson? And by the way, I want to respond to this comment. You can believe that the guy is trapped. Let's say that was the case, even though that's complete garbage and BS. He was not trapped. He was not trapped. That's completely garbage. But let's say that he was. You want to know the easiest way out of a trap? Just blow the whole thing up. Hey, yeah, I made a mistake, even if you don't think you did. I made a mistake, and I shouldn't have tweeted that, because if I hadn't tweeted it, we wouldn't even be here. And I'm really sorry that I tweeted that. Like, save yourself the time. It, it, like, is it lost on him? You're one bad season away from being done in your career. You're already known as a guy that uh, has, like, some— I can't remember how many years he's been in the league, but he's had, like, nine head coaches or whatever, like, three teams, nine head coaches, like, some ridiculous number. You're already known as a malcontent. This isn't anything new. So my point is, while we're talking about things being a business, being an NBA player— is not just, hey, I can, yeah, I'm gonna go shoot some hoops today and then, yeah. yeah, I'll just go and do whatever the hell I want. No, you're a business. We haven't even gotten to the fact that you lost the Nike deal. We haven't even gotten to the fact that you're losing sponsorship left and right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing that a lot of people don't understand um, on this show is that, that, like, every one of these guys is a business entity to themselves. Yeah. I mean, the brand of Zion, the brand of Luca, the brand of LeBron, the brand of Jordan, like the, I, I have a lot of empathy for Kyrie because I just I the pain he must be feeling, the frustration he must be feeling, the you know, trapped isn't a terrible word. I would guess Kyrie Irving feels trapped in in himself. I mean, I, I just think it's got to be very difficult to unwind. You you can't unwind the watch, right? I mean the the It's not it's impossible. You know, the horse is out of the barn, the milk is out of the teat. Like you just there's no way to but that's what I'm saying. Even if you feel that way, there's right? no way to fix it. You, I'm a big believer. You always have a path, right? There's always a path to wherever you want to get to. It's just a matter of, of how much pain you're willing to endure. So like, to me, when, when I think about, you know, Kyrie's path here, I do think he has a path, but I think this whole conversation about like what to talk about and what to say and not to say. Like, I got news for you. If we rolled out on this show tomorrow and dropped an N-bomb on this show, that would completely destroy our entire livelihood. Like, do you guys understand that Kyrie Irving is a multi-multi-multi-gazillionaire and that he can afford to say anti-Semitic things and at the end of the day, his mom is still going to have a nice house. He's still going to drive that Ferrari. Yeah. Like, he's still going to have a good life. That's what I want people to understand. That's why I don't feel sorry for Kyrie. That's why I don't agree with this whole thing about, oh, he's been trapped and this is some media narrative. Yeah, I like, think, come on. He, I think, I think, I think. Come on now. Yeah, Kyrie has, Kyrie's an interesting dude. Anyway, there you have it. Um, less of that, more of us. Uh, I do want to get back to the Jazz because I see a lot of people wanting to talk about the Jazz. Yeah. Um, jazz and Lakers tonight. Uh, certainly, I think when you look at the Jazz, um, the comment that we talked about to start the show, like, I think this is now 
a team that you should expect to win games. I mean, you're you're an eighth of the way through the season now, right? You understand, you know, who this team is. I think on a night-in, night-out basis, you should expect this Jazz team to win. And I think the most important part about, or the most impressive part, if you will, about sweeping L.A. is that you beat the Clippers without without Jared Vanderbilt. And I think that's a that's a big one. That, to me, speaks volumes about the way that this team has come together defensively. And that is how this team is winning. That is, when you look at the ball movement and, and sharing responsibility on this team defensively, that is what separates them from everybody else. So, yeah, right now, I would expect the Jazz to win on a on a regular basis. Yeah, and I, and when I look at the Jazz, like, and I, and I kind of think about, like, hey, how are they going to fare against this team or that team? The first question I always ask, and I'd encourage you to ask this question, too, is is the team they're playing a prolific transition team? The Lakers are not a prolific trans transition team. The the Jazz should run them out of Vivint by at least ten points tonight. Like I have no doubts about that. I look at Memphis. Memphis, very prolific transition team. You saw those games were much grittier, were much tougher, were much more difficult to win, but they still found a way to win that game. So right now, th- that is where I think the lifeblood of the Jazz is: getting a stop defensively, getting out and running. That's their recipe for success. The half court stuff is is going to develop. Like they're not a strong half court team, but that's going to develop as the season goes on. I, I like what Conley's doing in the pick and roll with Laurie. You know, I like what Sexton does going going to his right off the drive. You have some stuff in the half court, but this team wins and loses on a nightly basis on their defense and then their ability to outlet pass and beat the other team down the floor. That's it. Yeah, and I think you should, when you look at the way that Will Hardy's changed this team, I think that I'll just go back to defense and ball movement. I think when you have a group of guys that's talented the way they are, guys like Laurie Markkinen need his teammates. And one of the cool things about this team and, and one of the neat things that makes you feel good is it's a group of guys that individually are not are not particularly special, but as a group, their best traits come out. When you look at Laurie Markkinen, his ability to shoot the ball well, well, that happens from ball movement in, in that extra space where you force a guy to take an extra step away from you because the ball is rotating, knowing it's coming back to you to get that shot, and you use that extra step. Like That's the thing that's been so enjoyable about watching this team grow and you look at the, the I don't know what, the, the difference is, almost the mere difference between who the Jazz are and the Lakers are with two big money superstars and a bunch of scrubs. This Jazz team is a team with one pretty well-paid guy in Mike Conley, but the rest of these guys are mid-table contracts on most teams. The rest of these guys are, I mean, who are we kidding? They're well-paid, they're NBA players. But in, in NBA money, they're, they don't have a guy that's making outstanding money. After the street closed Davis. Yet they are winning. And it's because they play team ball, and that's what the Will Hardy win is. Yeah. But these conversations about Will Hardy's a better coach than Quinn Snyder. Whoever came up with that shit needed to be fired. Yeah, it's 11 games, man. I, I mean, I, I don't – Will Hardy's coached 11 games in his NBA career. Dude's had a cup of coffee. Come, Come on, on now. Like I think you have a long you have a long way to go to catch Quinn, and I think what Quinn did is is uh, really was outstanding work for the Jazz. But what Will is doing is outstanding work for the Jazz, and I think we need to uh, appreciate both of them. So it'll be interesting. Uh, Salty Drunk says they're keeping guys in front of them defensively. Absolutely, totally. They are. 
I think, Absolutely, the point they you've are. been making, I think, is is really spot on about like learning how to play defense without fouling. Like you're seeing that develop that skill yes. develop on a nightly basis, and it's really nice to see. Like that to me is one of the biggest differences, you know, between last year and this year is like this team wants to defend, and that's nice to see. Yeah, and I think that that's a big part of of what this team is. They want to do things well. Um, they truly do. Uh, our Utah Jazz Talk on this show presented by TridayTrading.com slash Monty. Do you know what day trading is? Are you curious? Well, don't take our, for, our word for it. But hello, don't take our word for it. How about our good friend, Alema Harrington? Alema Harrington here. You know, I've been in the broadcast business going on 30 years now. And after that amount of time, you start to be able to pick some winners. I want to share a winner that I'm aware of with you, and that is my guys at Tri-Day Trading. They're going to teach you how to trade, and then they're going to let you trade using their money and then split the profits with you. That's a pretty winning deal. If you want to register for a free webinar, all you have to do is go to TriDayTrading.com slash Monty. So for more information, it's TriDayTrading.com slash Monty. We'll see you there. Thank you very much, Mr. Alema Harrington right there. And it, it, again, all I'm asking you to do is go to TriDayTrading.com slash Monty. Watch the free webinar. That's all you have to do. There's no fee. There's no obligation. All you do is watch the webinar and then make a decision because Tri-Day Trading is that route to the life you want to live. If you're frustrated with your job, and I know there's a lot of people who've expressed to us they're frustrated that they can't do what we're doing or take the next step because you can't keep doing what you've always done because it's going to get you where you've always gotten, which Press. is not, not to prosperity. Make that change. Take that leap of faith. Go to TriDayTrading.com slash Monty and watch the free webinar. Let's get your thoughts in here. Uh, on the Utah Jazz, although Jordan Hall says Dan Patrick saying San Diego State to the Pac-12. Your thoughts, uh, if you go back to like 8 o'clock, yeah. I think is where we talked about that. Spent we spent about 25 minutes on it. Yeah, absolutely, uh, we did. Uh, Tanner said, I'm on the train right now, and guess what I'm passing? Gas? Well, are you, are you, are you passing gas? I mean, that's definitely one thing that he could be passing. Are you? Are yes. You, are you? Pa did you pass? San Diego State Aztec says didn't pass by me, Tanner. No, he didn't. <laughs> uh, nope. Uh, Tanner says better than the Viv and a pretty woman freaking RSL Stadium. Hey guys. Okay. Anybody see Magic Johnson? Uh, thanks to our good friend talking with Raphael, just retweeted Magic Johnson and LAFC won the MLS Cup last night. Anybody? That's fucking interesting, man. Anybody? Uh, Gareth Bale? Anybody? Any Bueller? Um, mm. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It's fine. Uh, yeah, everybody here, go ahead and give us a thumbs up and a like, please. That really helps the channel grow. Uh, appreciate you guys watching the show. What do you expect out of uh, the Jazz tonight? I expect them to push the pace, just like they did in the first matchup. I think that, that that's where the Lakers are incredibly vulnerable. I think that, you know, the Lakers are, are a team that they have – you know, obviously three names, but they don't, they're not the cohesiveness that the jazz are able to play with is not present for the Lakers. So you, you have this scenario where the jazz can simply win this game by just being together defensively and then getting out in transition, never mind getting some matchups, never mind getting Clarkson switched onto a big or any of that tactical stuff. Like if you can just be good defensively tonight and then get out and transition, you're going to win this game by 10 points. And that's mostly because the Lakers are awful at shooting the basketball. Yes. They don't work hard in the rebounding department. So, like, 
I look at the Clipper win, and I'm like, dude, that Clipper team is probably twice as good as the Lakers. So that's why I say, at the Viv, late game, should be very well rested. Like, go run your ass off and run these guys out of the building. That's what I would expect. By the way, the number's 229 on that game. Yeah, I would 229 expect... 229 points. I would expect 120 out of the Jazz tonight. I would. You would? I would, yeah. Because, because again, okay. I think that... You you look at this team for the Lakers and 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 again I love the Lakers I like I I grew up watching Kobe on Christmas Day dude like the Lakers are one of my favorite teams but but right now the truth of the matter is is they just can't keep up they are not a team that over the course of forty eight minutes is gonna hold you down that's just not where they're at and it's unfortunate but th that's why I expect such a high scoring game yeah I I would agree with you on that I I. I We'll see if Vanderbilt plays tonight. I think that'll go a long way in this game, but it's tough to turn around and play back-to-backs with the second night in Salt Lake. I would expect the Jazz to hold the Lakers under 100 or right around 100. I would think that this would be 117-100 the Jazz will win. That's just a guess, but I, I would mean, think 117-100 uh, would, not, would not be surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, a dominant victory. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of surprised the number is only three. And I'm kind of surprised you haven't been to uh, Barbecue Pit Stop yet, bbqpitstop.com. Um, you know, I, I tell everybody that asado seasoning is amazing. Go see the guys. Tell me you heard about it on the Monty Show. Um, I'm telling you, this is the best time of year as well to fire up that smoker. Whether you're a Traeger guy, I'm a total Traeger guy. Yoder, big green egg, doesn't matter. Fire it up. The smoke is punching in the yeah. air. Nothing like it's wings, brisket, burgers, chops. I need some wings. I haven't had wings, good wings on the smoker in a while. Yep. I almost did it last night, but Mrs. Monty was dead set on. She's still getting over the flu. So she's dead set on the Costco pot pie last night. The but warm man, in your stomach vibes. Oh, the wings on the smoker this time of year. Bomb. Mm. Bomb. Absolutely. Absolutely. Make sure you find Barbecue Pit Stop. Anywhere you are in Utah, there's one near you, whether it's Logan, Lehigh, uh, Layton, St. George, or our good friends in Murray, Salt Lake City. Walk in there. They all have great dudes that work there, and I, their knowledge is second to none. Don't shop at the big box stores. Please shop local. Our local entrepreneurs, guys like Steve at the Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh, those guys work really hard to build small business locally. Support them. When you're shopping this holiday season, when you're shopping this Christmas season, support local. Absolutely, please shop with guys like Barbecue Pit Stop. All of them are entrepreneurs. They're all franchised. They all own those stores. They work hard to give you great service at Barbecue Pit Stop. Um, in Layton, Logan, Lehigh, St. George, and of course, our good friends in Murray. Hey, real quick reminder, uh, we are trying to get back to families over Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we're doing that in partnership with you. We want you to nominate families that you know, whether that's your family, your friends, your family. If somebody needs help, if somebody can't afford their Christmas or their Thanksgiving meal, please hit us up. Send me a DM on Twitter or Instagram, The Monty Show, M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show. Um, hit us up and tell us the story. Let us know how we can help. And let's see what we can do because one of the things we're really trying to do is give back to the community this holiday season. Um, and if you'd like to be part of that, so many people have, have used the tip function on YouTube to do that. All of the money you tip us through the holiday season will go directly to that giving for the end of the year. So hit the tip jar. Uh, whether you give us a dollar, a quarter, $100, it's totally up to you. People last week that were coming in for uh, Powerball tickets were giving us, you know, Chris Karn, I think, left us a $100 bill. 
Like all that money goes into the kitty. We're spending that on uh, gift giving for the holiday season. So we really appreciate that. If you'd like to give a tip, please do. If not, hit me with a DM. Tell me somebody that needs help because we'd really like to provide food or whatever people need. Um, and if you've had a new baby and you need diapers or you're struggling to provide, please help. let us know. We'd love to help you this holiday season. The Monty Show. M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show on Twitter or Instagram uh, is where you find us. Um, I guess that's it. I know we're super late today. Yeah, it felt we, good. Should we, felt did, good. Did it feel good, though? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought the show went by quick today. Yeah. Tanner Plummer is getting into it with Lopes Van Gabe. Were you even born back then? Damn. Oh, God. Uh-oh. We're, we're playing, the, we're going we're playing in. the time game. We're going in right now. Okay. They're talking about RSL championships. Brett Burnett says, Jazz will likely win. Deep bench is very nice, and nobody seems to understand the Jazz. The Jazz just playing free, playing with heart. We love it. Well, I think they're also a better defensive team than you are. I mean, that's really been the difference. They've been able to get big stops. They also, and I guess not surprisingly, have been really active rebounders. So I think the key is going to be how many fouls. How many fouls are you going to give and get? How, every single night, I, one of the first things I always look at is, hey, who's winning the free throw battle? Yeah. Who's getting free throws? Who's making more free throws? I think those things are absolutely uh, critical. Um, Tanner's tweeting the lyrics to the RSL fight song. You're casual. Okay. Uh, by the way, by the way, not to sidetrack the show. Did you, all get, did you vote? Did you get out and vote? Oh, God, here we go. I'm just saying, don't forget it's tomorrow. Tomorrow's election day. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Monty and I voted yesterday. We uh, had our ballots filled out for a week or so. Uh, dropped them off at the South Jordan City Hall. There's a drop box right behind for uh, ballots. Did you guys see the numbers that mail in, mail, voting by mail now is the predominant uh, way that people are voting? Yeah. Um, it's really incredible. And, and I think it's fascinating the way that voting technology has advanced. More people are doing drop box or mail in ballots now instead of waiting in a line at the polling place to vote. And I think still, obviously, millions and millions of people vote in person. I think it's fascinating that people are asking for ballot by mail and voting that way. Yeah. But yeah, do you do you still vet? Have you voted yet? Yeah, I did yesterday. You I did. dropped it off yesterday, yeah. You did. Did you like, I actually went, I actually like took the time to read about judges and... Yeah, it was interesting, <clears> the judges portion. I know this is kind of obscure, but like... The judges portion, they don't really give you like a ton of insight. Like they have a voter rating and their peers vote on them. And there's there's a standard that they have to adhere to at least. And it's like really interesting when you start getting down the list, because there's probably like 15 of them on the ballot, you know, like should this person continue to be or not? And you're voting yes or no, you know, and it's and it's if you just go online, like open your ballot, go online and just kind of go down the list like. You can find out what you need to find out, but it definitely, it definitely made me feel like I wish I had done this like with a week's worth of time left. That way, you know, you could do it over, you know, because if you do it in one sitting, it's probably like an hour at least, you know, of like just looking and trying to figure out what's what, like trying to learn about these people. Yeah, I think voting is critically important. Yeah, I think it is critically important. And I think the interesting thing is that when you look at the numbers of Democrats, independents and Republicans, by far, the conservative vote by mail has exploded yeah. in this country. And, and I, I actually don't think that it, it was, is surprising at all uh, because I think what you see is that people like the convenience of voting by mail. Like you, It gives you time to do your research and then fill out that ballot and drop it off. 
and then you don't have to deal with election day craziness, which I think is <laughs> Ruff's official, dude. The red wave is coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, which is uh, Tanner uh, Ruff says the red wave is coming. Tanner says I voted. Uh, Fat Jesus says I voted three times. Congratulations. <laughs> Talking with Raphael podcast says I'm dropping my ballot off today. Let's go. Nice. Um, Lopes fan Gabe says down the ballot races are probably way more important and impactful at everyday life than federal elections. Absolutely. Like you're, I don't know, like here in Utah, like the Evan McMullen, Mike Lee race has been hotly contested. And I still maintain that mayors, council people, county, county, sheriffs. county sheriffs, like those are the people that you really have to pay attention to. Yes. Those are the ones. Yeah, Gabe, absolutely. Uh, judges, corporate commission and water can, conservation district races immensely important in Arizona this year. Yeah, it is. Totally, dude. You look at what water conservation means in our society today Bro. with the, the the water issues we have across the Western United States. Whew. I mean, they, yeah, the absolutely, the corporate commissions, I think local judges are incredibly important. Yeah. Incredibly important. You have to vote in those things. Hey, uh, real quick, because I didn't see it last hour for Football at 50, um, presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your uh, order of $25 or more. Xavier McKinney, who is probably the best defensive player the Giants have, apparently went to Cabo on his bye week uh-huh. and got on an ATV Oh God! and injured his hand. There's no word on how long he will be out or how severe the injury is. Dude. He was he he apparently put on Instagram he was on a sightseeing tour on an ATV and injured his hand. I it I again Ow. again I just ask. Dude. You're the best defensive player on the New York Giants who are finally having a good season. So you go to Cabo, okay, cool. You want your get away on your bye week, totally fine. <coughs> But you're going to ride an ATV? <clears throat> you can't, if you're a football player or a professional athlete, you can't ride motorcycles. You probably shouldn't be on a bicycle. You probably shouldn't be on an ATV. Like all the guys who get hurt every year on Wave Runners shouldn't be getting on a jet ski or a sea doo You can't go snowboarding. You can't go skiing. Like that's just part of the life. Do that stuff when you retire, man. That's an issue. I'm amazed by that. Yeah, dude. I am absolutely amazed by that. That... I mean, he's so important to the how Giants. How hard is it to be a professional athlete, bro? Like, how? I don't get it. I don't get you it. You literally paid millions to play a child's game. I don't yeah. get it. The Monty Show presented by the Advocates, UtahAdvocates.com. Best injury attorneys in Utah. Appreciate them very much. They take great care of this show. I've known Matt Driggs and the guys at the Advocates for over 10 years now. If you need an injury attorney, if you got hurt at work, yes, they handle workman's comp malpractice, car accidents, motorcycle accidents, hook it up right now, utahadvocates.com. If you're asking yourself, do I need an attorney? The answer is yes, you do. And the best part is you do not pay the advocates unless and until they win your case. Chat with them online for free right now at utahadvocates.com. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.